Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters! Ghostbusters. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you! And welcome to Ready to Believe You. The only Ghostbusters podcast that used to be one of your two favorite shows. What's the other one? Bassmasters. It's a fishing podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know Bassmasters. <laughs> Alright, I'm Nick Lathan. <laughs> and I'm Rip Camelucci. Uh, and this week, as you guessed it, everybody, uh, we're doing Ghostbusters 2, 1989. And let me tell you. This, oh, okay, I'm going to start straight off. This is my favorite one growing up, uh-huh. but, as I, but as I grew older, it became less so. Fun. Funny that you mentioned that. Yes. Because I, I loved this one growing up, and every time I watch it, I'm just waiting for that other shoe to drop. I'm waiting mm-hmm. to see what everyone else sees, to see it. For all of its flaws, to see it as the transgression that it was. But every time I see it, it just solidifies itself as my favorite piece of Ghostbusters content created. Wow. So Hands that means- fucking down. So this episode is going to be four hours long. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to sign off at an hour and a half. And I'm just yeah. going to keep going. Yeah. Which... <laughs> Saw the debacle of uh, of the first episode and just splitting it into two halves and releasing them both in the same day. I thought that was a great idea. <laughs> Compromise. Because, because listen, I, I I see I see three hours. I'm like, nope. <laughs> anyway, but I see an hour and a half. I'm like, I can do that. Okay, two one hour half chunks. Yeah, I can do that. Let's break it up, baby. Yeah, and that's two days worth of content. Probably. We're here to provide. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So yeah, why, why, okay, why is this one, why do you prefer this one over the first one? It's funnier, uh, it's more fun, but it's also chock full of slime. Slime's great! What a, what an excellent uh, g- ghost, a ghost skin. Not a MacGuffin, a ghost skin. Nope, doesn't nope, work. I'm it, just you know what, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Um. The soundtrack's better, you know. Uh, uh, I feel like there's a lo- there's. <sighs> I like the I I like the the I don't know, man. There's just a lot more to like. I like the the, the Winston has more to do, you know. Okay, uh, Winston. The characters aren't as like as deep as in the first one, but I don't know, man. I fucks with it so much harder. It feels crisper. You know, it it definitely. All right. I, this is one of my notes is like the first one's just rough around the edges. And I think that's why I like it so much more because mm. this movie's too clean. Like 
the cinematography is by Michael Chapman, who did Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and like all these prestige films, classic New York movies. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then the special effects were by uh, Industrial Light and Magic, and so like that just bumps it up so by so much. Yeah, they pulled out all the stops for this one. Yeah, they did. And I'm glad they did. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Everything but, like, the story. I don't know, man. I'm not trying to shit on it, but, like, I'm just trying to defend the first movie. The story, one, Which is, 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 like, secondary to me. But two, also, like, is it that much of a leap than from the first movie? You know? Like... Yeah, I'm trying to think of... I just can't place, like, why it's worse to me. But I will say, this is the perfect sum- summary of it for me, is a letterbox review I les- read last night after watching it from Branson Reese, who said, uh, as far as bad sequels go, this one is very good. <laughs> like, it, okay, so here's the thing. It does suffer from a little bit of sequelitis. Like, mm-hmm. the... Like, skipping all the way to the end, the idea of of, of them animating the Statue of Liberty just to have another giant thing walks through the city set piece yeah, is, you know, just kind of a little a bit of, like I said, sequelitis. It's a lot um, of repeats. Yeah, it's a lot of repeating you know, stuff. A lot of, yeah, like, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about a lot of repeating stuff. Janine's like, horny, horny for a guy with glasses. Well, I'm trying to think what else. Okay, I mean, that, I want to, I want to dig into that a little bit later because we're, we're going to get into all this. We're going to get yeah. into all of it, but like, I, I, I will, I do understand that it does fall victim of a little bit of sequel, sequelitis. Yeah. What, 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 what sequel doesn't, you know, but it's just, uh, God, the, the, the supporting cast is, is so much better. Uh, that's true. Yeah. The, and then when it comes to, okay, here's, here's another big thing that I think like, in, in in the first movie, they did a good job of, like, setting up sort of how we kind of got to this moment as far as all of the, uh, you know, Evo Shandor type of backstory and, like, why this is even like this. Because it's New York and it's weird. And, of course, there would be people that would want to, you know, set up fucking temples at the top of a penthouse or whatever. Mm. This is more so just kind of along the lines of, like... The painting's haunted. And you're going to go with it. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Which I personally, I just love just being like, look, we're Ghostbusters. The painting's haunted. It's what we're doing. Get on board or hit the bricks. And I'm like, a, I'm on board. It's a very like Scooby-Doo MacGuffin slash villain. The, it's yeah. a haunted painting. Um, mm-hmm. You talking about this makes me think of this. But the River of Slime... We never get a explanation of the connection between, right? Between Vigo and the river of sl- the slime in the city. I think the connection. Hot town slamming in the city. <laughs> uh, I think the connection of it really is just, yeah, there is no real explanation. Like, there's never a line that's just like, you know. And the slime did his bidding or anything like that. Because the Vigo statue painting has just been sitting in storage for years. Mm -hmm. And like... Like, the most you're going to get is 
that when you put the when they put the photo through the spectrograph, mm-hmm. uh, they see deeper within the painting that there is a river of slime. Yeah. Um, and you you presume that that is the origin of the slime. Yeah. Is from this painting. Uh, but again, like narratively, you don't really have any. You don't know any reason why Vigo is a, is is such a slime slut. You know, it's yeah, it's weird. Because uh, <laughs> in the first movie, like in the jail scene, they're just like, "Here's everything," and like yeah. it's such a good like explanation, like dialogue scene, right? Exposition a lot scene, of, a lot of very good exposition in there. But again, you know, that doesn't explain why you know why Gozer uses dogs, uh, much less. The physiology of going from human to dog to dog to human to human to dog to dog to human. It's very confusing. Um, you know, like, well, we can do this all day. Nick, we can do this all day. I think I think this is what it is. Vigo knew in the future, children are going to be obsessed with slime. And what's he need? A child to be reincarnated in. Yeah. So that, maybe that's why Vigo chose slime. He's just ahead of the curve, man. Uh, is what you're saying that Vigo invented Nickelodeon? Yes, exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. And uh, that tracks for me. Um, <laughs> case open and closed. The, <laughs> open and shut case, Johnson. I have a feeling that by the end of this, either you're going to like this movie more, or I'm going to very, very depressingly like this movie less. Is this going to be, what What Fast and Furious movie did we do in which we went in there and I liked it more at the end and you hated it? Or you oh, didn't like it? Was man. it Furious 6? I want to say 6. I want to yeah. say 6. Because that, that happened a couple, that happened a few times with some yeah. of those Furious movies where one of us came in and just argued the other into their point of view or whatever, vice versa. Um, a vice versa. When did this movie come out? This movie came out June 16th, 1989. It had a budget of $37 million and a gross, a worldwide gross of $215 million. Damn right. What did... You don't know offhand what the first Ghostbusters budget was, do you? It was like third. It was uh, yeah, it was yeah. thirty. Yeah, because that. Third. Yeah, because they, they told the pitch and they're like, ah, oh, all right, how much do you need? Um, and it was yeah. 30. Hold up, let's 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 see this real quick. Yeah, um, that's not that. Mu- you'd think it'd be more of an increase for a sequel, you know? Yeah, especially five years after the fact. Let's see. Thirty million, yeah, estimated. That's what it huh. says. Yeah, to have a only a budget of seven million more, that's crazy. Like nowadays, like it would they'd, be like they'd, yeah, they'd increase the budget by like a hundred, hundred and fifty million. Yeah, if but it was made you, like on the cheap. But yeah, that's but 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 listen, this is this is the eighties. Like they didn't know about you know, what whatever they didn't uh, do that back yeah. then. Um, uh, how was it uh, in compared to the rest of the the films at the box office? It it got it was only number one at the box office for one week because the next week uh, Batman opened. Well, you know, like <laughs> that's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, what was uh what was it a uh, uh, number one above? All right, so this is the top ten in the weekend that came out. Number one, Ghostbusters two. I'm a, I'm gonna say straight up, this is a good weekend box okay. office. Okay. These are I love all these movies. Do I? I haven't seen two of them. All right, so number one's Ghostbusters 2. Number two, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, hell yeah. Number three, Dead Poet Society. Number four, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, which, yeah, that movie sucks. Uh, 
<laughs> Number five was See No Evil, Hear No, Hear no Evil, the Gene Wilder Richard Pryor vehicle. Number six, Field of Dreams, directed by the director of Sneakers. Phil Alden Robinson. Anyway, um, number seven. This is for you, Rip. No holds barred. <laughs> oh, rip them. Uh, Holy shit. It's hard to remember. It's hard to conceive that that movie was like in theaters because yeah. you only think of it on TBS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or USA Network. Yeah, USA. Yes. Duh. Fuck me. I'm sorry. It was USA, <laughs> Network. USA Network's in the movie. Uh, so good. Number eight, Roadhouse. Fuck. Yeah. Number nine, Pet Cemetery. And number ten, K9. Oh hell yeah. Oh my god. Fuck man, I love K9. I love K9 I've, so much. I've never seen K9. I grew up on K9 to the point where I watched that so much with my dad that Turner and Hooch was like a like that's the ripoff to me. Which I'm pretty yeah. sure it is, because K9 came out before Turner and Hooch, I'm pretty sure. But even then, like... No, Turner and Hooch was 87 or 88. Well, you know, agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the ripoff to me. That's like the, the fucking Kmart store version. That's the that's the Oreo to the Hydrox. Yeah, fucking... God, I love K9. Um, I, I tend to steer away from dog movies growing up i don't know why probably because i had a, a phobia of big dogs mm. so like well, jerry, lee's, jerry lee's a sweet a sweet pup i'll say that yeah i think i watched i watched turner and hooch for the first time last year mm-hmm. i want to say I'm trying to think what else well, you should watch canine and then you know let's do a commentary for canine please <laughs> yeah it was dethroned by batman which uh I will say, yeah, I don't know. There, there's an alternate reality where uh, Prince did the soundtrack for Ghostbusters 2. Oh, as if the soundtrack could get any better. And uh, and Bobby Brown did the soundtrack for Batman. Yes. <laughs> Do you think the, su- the successes of these films happened because of uh, who did the soundtrack for? Thousand percent. Because then Ghostbusters 2 has the Prince cameo. <laughs> You know, filmed in Minneapolis because he's not coming to New York. No, absolutely not. And you got <laughs> stories of Bill Murray bitching about having to go to Minneapolis for one for one scene for Ghostbusters oh, too. It's a- um, I oh man, but and even then it gets to, it gets you know knocked off by Batman the next week. It still goes on to make over two hundred million dollars. It's true. Smash it! What a <laughs> what a success. Yeah, I want to see... Let me go to Box Office Mojo. I happen to put my microphone in the way of the keyboard. So you're going to hear me hitting the hitting the microphone. Give us and those keystrokes, Nick. Actually, I don't have to do much typing. It's mostly clicking. Click it a clack. Let's see. Yeah, Last Crusade, man. That was a good... That's a good... I mean... All right, I'm just looking at... I'm just, this is the year of number ones for this year, okay? Um, like in January, this is runoff from, um, whatchamacallit, 88. So you got Rain Man okay. the first couple of weeks. And then you got Twins, another Ivan Reitman movie. And then you got Rain Man takes it over again. And then you got like I, a thought, I thought you were 
pitching a Rain Man sequel, Rain Men. Yes. Yeah, I'm hey, talking, taking it over again. I'm talking weird today, man. They got the Burbs coming up, and then Twins, and then Lean on Me, Fletch Lives, and then Twins for some reason takes the box office back. But guess what? Fletch Lives comes back in and takes it again. God damn, old box office just weekend to weekend is just so chaotic. If you don't it's, understand it, how movies used to run. It's so weird because you got like at the beginning of the year, you got Rain Man, Rain Man, Twins, Rain Man, Rain Man, Three Fugitives, The Fly 2, The Burbs, Twins, The Burbs, Lean On Me, Lean On Me, Fletch Lives, Twins again, Fletch Lives, Rain Man's back. <laughs> there were no other movies coming out. Yeah, and then you got Major League. It's kind of like how it is right now. Like I was like, I'm going to go to the movies this yeah, weekend. And yeah. then like looked at the theater and I'm just like, boy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to see any of these. Um. Yeah. Major League, Pet Cemetery, then Cino Evil, Here No Evil, then Indiana Jones, then Star Trek, then Ghostbusters, then Batman, then Lethal Weapon Two. Jeez. Then Lethal. Then, then Turner and Hooch. So K Nine came out before Turner and Hooch. Suck it. Wow. I thought oh, Turner and Hooch was eighty eight. That feels very satisfying. And then we got Parenthood, Uncle Buck, and there's like a little battle between Parenthood and Uncle Buck for a, for a couple weekends. Yeah. That's crazy. And then, of course, at the end of the year, we got Back to the Future 2 and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Theory. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go back that far, so I'm going to say starting in 1989, because I don't know what came out in 79. Yo, hold up real quick. I'm sorry. I'm, to put the pause on you real quick. Honey, I shut the kids. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead with your thought. I'm going to I'm just saying, back. if a movie, if, a, if a, a year ends in a nine... It will be an exceptionally good year for movies. Yeah. 99 had The Matrix. 2009, the only thing I can think of right now is Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, pretty good. All right, so Ghostbusters 2, the what, the weekend it came out was number one at the box office. And then it dropped down to number three the following weekend. Okay. Because number one was Batman, then number yeah, two was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Kids. Oh, Rick Moranis, two out of three in the top three. I'm telling you, that's another thing I don't like about this movie is not enough Rick Moranis. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, it delivered the Moranis. Well, I mean, he was, you know, <laughs> fucking star of that movie. Yeah. That's probably why they couldn't get a whole, get that much of him because he's off doing, you know, doing, he's, he's carrying Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. What I read online last night, which I didn't know this, there was a whole subplot in which uh, Lewis was trying to uh, catch Slimer. I there's a whole that. there's a whole subplot that got cut out of the movie because it took too much. Now, I guess it, can we get Vin Diesel to short shoot a short film? I got something later on. I got the perfect idea for it. We're okay. going to talk about okay. it later on. All right. All right. Let's get into the movie. All right. Now, I know we normally don't do this, Nick. Uh, we, we normally don't really like synopsize right off the top of the movie, mm -hmm. but... I figured I might as well just give it a crack this, this okay. time around. Too hot to handle, too cold to hold. They called the Ghostbusters and they're in control. Had them throwing a party for a bunch of children. All the while, the slime was under the building. So they packed up their group, got a grip, came equipped, grabbed their po proton packs off their back, and they split. Found out about Vigo, the master of Eagle. Trying to battle my boys? That's not legal. All right. I need to talk about this. Which, these, which, lyrics, these lyrics. <laughs> well, I mean, just just that, that last line. is That's not legal. Uh, this... this 
this movie should go down as one of the greatest uh, 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 courtroom uh, uh, <laughs> movies of all time. It's, it's, it's as if... All right. It's as if they were editing the movie. They're like, Bobby, we need, we already filmed your scene. We know that we need you to write a theme. He's like, all right, well show me all the movie you have. And at that point, they only edited the courtroom scene. So Bob Brown's like, Oh, (laughs) so it's a courtroom drama. What's the bad guy's name? Vigo. Got Got it. it. Okay. And that, and then he just, he he just went off and wrote the theme. (laughs) It's it's truly up there for like, (sighs) Uh, original songs for a movie that just say that just sing the plot. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> what other movie does that? I'm trying to think. Nothing. I, the, uh, top, the top of my dome. Um. Yeah. So. Oh, I lost my train of thought in in regard to Bobby Brown writing <laughs> the theme. Oh yeah, I like this theme so much more than the, the Ray Parker Jr. theme, dude. I like this. The there's a song on this soundtrack called Ghostbusters by yeah. Ray, not Ray Parker Jr. by Run DMC. That one is um that that's that's the best Ghostbusters. That's the best song named Ghostbusters yeah. ever. Yeah. Because I'll tell you right now, there's something strange going on. Something's wrong. <laughs> Someone's wrong. Yeah, I love it, man. <laughs> I call the Ghostbuster. The I was walking the grave. I'm telling dude, it is. Why is that's like, that should be, that's our generation's monster mash. (laughs) 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 Fuck, you're so right. Holy shit. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to have to play just the beginning of it. Hold up. Oh God. It's so good. Every song in this that's in the movie too, it just like absolutely like works, works, works for where it is in the movie. I just want to say uh every song in the soundtrack is a minimum five minutes. Doesn't feel like it. Brisk I listen to brisk pace, all of them. Um let's see if we can hear this. I mean, dude, it's 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 got the fucking organ in the beginning of it. That's the scene. Like it's got like if Vincent Price could rap and did a song for Ghostbusters, that's the song. Randy MC with the funk of 40,000 years. <laughs> the Kings of Rock. Oh my oh. god. And it's got the sample. It uses the fucking sample. Great. It's so good. This is our generation's monster man. I mean, I'm telling you. And I've never watched the music video for this, but I saw a thumbnail for it. Yeah, and they're I, all, they're all in in the the full Ghostbusters garb, and I need to watch that as soon as we're done in four hours from now. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it was uploaded to YouTube eight years ago. That 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 particular music video, but yeah, that I fucking love it. Like every time I post something on Instagram, that's Instagram story that's Ghostbusters related. I don't use the Ray Parker theme. No, I use that theme because it's so much better. Here's what I need. I need. 
Like, I know how all these little film boys go out there and recut movies and re-edit movies and stuff like that. And, and you know, it's all very fun and well and good. Mm-hmm. I need a cut of the first Ghostbusters, but replace all the needle drops with songs from Ghostbusters 2. We need a cut. Yeah. Who who does that? Is it? It's not Topher. Is it Topher yeah, Grace that does all Grace? those? Is it yeah. A, yeah. I, I think him and his friends, like, meet up, like, once a year or something like that and then record something. Topher, this is the easiest one you got. Just replace the music. Oh, yeah. He can do that. No problem. Oh, man. Yeah, that... There's... Okay. Because the the soundtrack for the first movie, it's just a collection. It's just songs. There's, like, two... There's the Busboy song, and then there's Ray Parker Jr. song. Yes. Yeah. Those are the two, like, Ghostbusters. Like, they, 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 they approach Bobby Brown, which, according to the commentary, it's MC Hammer according to Ivan Reitman. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. In which he's he's quickly corrected by somebody else saying, no, it's Good. Bobby Brown. Good. Because uh, MC Hammer, of course, did the Adams Family theme. Which Yes. Anyway. Also absolutely fucking slaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, it, it you mentioned this earlier in a text. This goes from, like, New Jack Swing and rap to Glenn Fry real quick. <laughs> You got Flip City by fucking Glenn Frey. I'm going Flip City. Uh, it should be uh, called Slime City, anyway. It should be called Slime City, but that said, now that we're back to doing things the way uh, of normal, not normal times, but we're back in our uh, certain way. We're going to mm-hmm. the movies and shit again. Next time I play Flip Cup, I'm just going to put that song on repeat. <laughs> and just be unbearable like I, I normally okay. am. When you do that, I need you to be wearing a fur coat that has animatronic um, minks minks that are trying to attack you. <laughs> I need that to play. Uh, I'm just going to run down this track list, okay? Uh, on Our Own, Bobby Brown. Supernatural by New Edition, which includes Bobby Brown. Yeah. The Promised Land, James J.T. Taylor, yeah. uh, which is a, a very relevant song still. Uh, it's a good song. We're back, Bobby Brown. Spirit, Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh crew. Let's fucking go. Because here's the thing, that. Spirit, some people fear it, some people near it. Spirit, some people just won't go near it. Oh, man. I love that the uh, his his crew, he just yells the name of the Get Fresh crew just randomly in the song out of nowhere. It's anyway. good. Uh, Ghostbusters, Run DMC. It's not even like Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters Part 2, Ghostbusters Again, or anything yeah. like that. It's just, they say, Fuck you, Ray Parker Jr. It's Ghostbusters. Yeah. And then Tone Shift. Flesh and Blood by Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Love is a Cannibal by Elton John. Elton John's on the soundtrack. This I is love- a soundtrack that has Elton John and fucking Dougie Fresh on the same soundtrack. The thing is, like, I was watching the end credits and I was like, where the fuck? I'm like, I'm like Danny Elfman got a paycheck for this movie? Like... What, I don't even remember where in the movie that song is. I I don't know that it is. It's just or, it's, it's on the soundtrack. The, it's it's in the credits because I watched the credits, the credits last night, yeah. and so is Elton John. I'm like, where the fuck was that song? But Flip City, I know that because Flip that's City, the, that's Glenn a slime Fry. montage song. And then Higher and Higher, the cover of Jackie Wilson's Higher and Higher. Oh man, by Howard Huntsbury, which it's not a good cover. No, but. You know they play they play the original version earlier in the movie, so it's it's got enough goodwill bridging over. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, we've already we've gone 
half an hour on the soundtrack and the box office for this movie. All right. So let's get into the actual movie. And it starts off five years later. Cool. Now I'm going to ask you, is the new movie going to start off 30, 32 years later? I mean, it's fucking better. Like, the precedent's been set. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, it, yeah, it cuts to Dana with the stroller. Yeah. The carriage, as it were. Uh, <laughs> bringing baby Oscar with her groceries uh, down what looks like Seinfeld's chaotic-ass street that he lived on. I don't, like, actually, yeah, George... the same, Is it the same parts of New York? I have no idea. Well, actually, there is a uh, off in the background. You can see Kramer getting in a fight about a parking spot <laughs> way in the background. It would fit perfectly into this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is the most Se- same year Seinfeld started. <laughs> the most Seinfeld ass. Well, you know, the fucking restaurants right by Columbia University. So there we go. Makes Maybe. sense. What if uh, in the background of a Seinfeld episode, you see Harold Ramis just walk by like he it's like it's Egon it's him as Egon just walking by oh god who whose apartment would be best in Seinfeld to be haunted and to where they need to call the Ghostbusters I would say Elaine would run into that type of shit that seems like an Elaine plot line Elaine sure uh someone's apartment that wouldn't actually be haunted it was just like there's some weird hijinks in the apartment and they thought it was haunted and it was just a false alarm. Uh, Newman's apartment. That'd be fun. Yeah. I, I, I was also thinking the Costanzas. I would love to see Jerry Stiller interact with the Ghostbusters. Yeah. 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 Or even the Seinfelds down at uh, Del Boca Vista. Del Boca Vista! <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. So, <laughs> already sidetracked just from the fucking opening shot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my next note is run away, babe, never going back. <laughs> um, that's what a great open. What an absolutely like intense opening to the movie. I mean, it's it's a good mirror to the um to the library ghost ha- haunting yeah, in the first movie, but with but with characters that you're already invested in. You know? I will say this movie does a bang up job of just getting everybody introduced immediately. Oh yeah, this movie does does good work. I'm telling you, it does good work. Um, you know, again, like first shot, slime, mm-hmm. establishing the slime. That's somehow connected to Vigo. We don't know how. I told you how earlier. Oh man. And then, yeah, we get to, uh, yeah, we, we think the Ghostbusters are, are back on the case, but it turns out they're rushing to a, a shitty birthday party. Here's, here's, knowing what we find out about how they kind of went out of business, um, they, they probably shouldn't be allowed to use their lights and siren anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's oh. probably, like, very illegal. Yeah, there's a bigger issue, though, the fact they bring nuclear reactors to a children's birthday party. I mean, those probably, you know, they're off. The safety's on. Oh, my God. (laughs) As soon as I saw that, uh, first of all, Mary Ellen Trainer from the Lethal Weapon franchise um, is the mother at this party. And then, of course, the He-Man. And then you got Jason. Reitman, whose character name is apparently Jason, but he's credited as Brownstone Boy number two. <laughs> uh, well, either way, go ahead and play the song. <sighs> and then we get the Ray Parker Jr. song mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. 
which leads to all sorts of ludicrous-esque questions when it yeah. comes to soundtracks and artists in movies. Well, Ray how Parker did Junior, this song... Ray Parker Jr. is not in the movie, though. He's not in the movie, but I'm just saying, how did this song become real life in the universe of this movie? Well, I listen... Know, I, I want to know your theory. I've got my theories. I think it's the same way as uh, the guy in the subway in the first Spider-Man movie playing the Spider-Man theme. Mm. You know, a guy just wrote a song because they they, they help they help people out. So they were like, inspired. By yeah, the, that's okay. what it was. Here's my theory. Okay. They are playing the original song composed for the intro of the real Ghostbusters, which exists. In this universe, because as there is an episode of the real Ghostbusters where they are making the movie, the Ghostbusters. But what, actually, no, that's not what I want to cite. What I want to cite is the episode where that takes place after the events of the first movie. Is that what I want to cite? It's not what I want to cite. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but basically where I'm what I'm getting to is there's some way that. The cartoon was created and inspired by the events of the first movie. And then they use the the song for parties at that point. Cut to years later. It's a very flimsy argument that I, I, I took apart myself. And obviously, if that's the case, they use Lewis as their entertainment lawyer and they got a bad deal because oh, they obviously absolutely. are not getting royalties or anything. Absolutely. Uh, anyway... He-Man. Literally, this scene is the only reason that I, I liked and had any He-Man toys. <laughs> it's because I would do this bit so often that my parents just said, I, mean, I guess he wants He-Man toys? As a kid, I, for my dumb, my dumb brain, didn't, like, my brother didn't grow up, like, didn't have any He-Man toys from what I remember. Like, He-Man wasn't a thing to me. I didn't know about He-Man until, like, the only He-Man I knew about was Masters of the Universe, that canon film with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> That's the only that's the only exposure to He-Man I had as a child. I didn't really know about He-Man until like shit, late 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 in life. And did it come as a surprise to you? Which I saw that I was like, "Oh, that's what that is." That, okay. <laughs> but but like um but for some reason in my brain, my little child brain, He-Man I immediately thought, "Oh, Macho Man." <laughs> Like they want Macho Man Randy Savage to come to their fucking party, which I was like, I don't know. It's a toss up. He man. Yeah. Oh, I wanted He Man. Like, no, man. Could you imagine Bonesaw from the Spider Man franchise coming in and Oh man, that'd be great. Ooh, whose birthday is it? Yes. Jason, yeah. Well, Jason. You're not only the birthday boy, but you're the cream of the crop. Yeah. Dig it. Like this brownstone you're in, anyway. Um, <laughs> it's a fancy part of Brooklyn, I tell you. Dig it, dig it. Yup. Slim Jims for all the kitties. But yeah, they bring nuclear reactors to a kid's birthday party. That was uh, yeah. a note I had. <laughs> they also worked all of two minutes and then got full pay. Yeah. And it all good. Want to go get a beer? Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Listen, it's 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 a tough racket, okay? It is. I used to have to to uh, perform at birthday parties. That was like one of the the jobs I had in high school was 
dressing up in, in character costumes and going to birthday parties and other parties and stuff like that. I've told you all about this, right? No, you haven't. Really? Yeah. Huh, okay. Um, met this lady while doing karaoke with all my high school theater friends. No oh boy. And uh, she offered me a job. And it was like 50 bucks an hour. And it's like, that's great. And you're only working an hour and a half, two hours max. But whatever. As a, as a fucking high school kid, it's mm-hmm. a lot of money. First job I had, Easter Bunny for some Easter picnic in a park in Miami. Uh, some other jobs I had, uh, I was Mickey Mouse and she was Minnie Mouse at a birthday party. First of party. all, I would not take the, the Easter Bunny job because of Critters. I want to say it's Critters 3. Is it Critters 3? There's a Critters movie in which the Critters get inside of an Easter Bunny costume and just eat that guy from the inside. Well, had I known that then, yeah, it would have saved me a whole load of trouble. All right, you were Mickey uh, Mouse. I was Mickey Mouse. Uh, I was Winnie the Pooh at a Bahama Breeze one time. Uh, I was supposed to be uh, Blue from Blue's Clues, uh, and my buddy Scott was Clifford the Big Red Dog. Um, but they brought, so they brought the big red dog costume, but they only brought the head of blue. So I just sat that one out <laughs> while I wa- dressed like a, like I was doing landscaping while my yeah. buddy was dancing around with kids. Oh, that's great. Um, there was one where, uh, it was a birthday party at like one of these sort of like kids gymnasiums where like everything's just fucking padded and they could just jump off shit and not die or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's where the party was. And this is what they ordered. This is what they requested. I was the Grim Reaper for like an eight-year-old's birthday party. Was the kid a goth at least? No, no. But like what ended up happening was all these kids were running around and just punching me in the nuts. (laughs) And I think the lesson that was trying to be imparted upon this kid was like, you know, defeat death. Like... (laughs) Live forever, kid. I'll never forget that uh, when I was a child, um, I think it was it was a place called The Learning Tree, which I think I referenced that in the last episode, next to the firehouse. Uh, Barney came by one time. And, um, well, me and my friends, he was getting dangerous. His tail was getting close to a light socket. So me and my friends were like, what if we put his tail because we've seen cartoons what if we put his tail in a light socket what would happen to barney skeleton glow through yeah obviously so we spent the whole time trying to put barney's tail into a light socket and let me tell you barney did not move much he kept swinging and we kept grabbing that tail i think he was intentionally swinging the tail trying to like be like hey kids fucking stop it but like we were grabbing that tail trying to put that shit into a light socket yeah, it's fucked up what kids do to those characters, man. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Uh, the last, the last one, the last gig of those that I did uh, was for this fucking rich ass family in Miami, mm-hmm. and Scott was Peter Pan, I was Captain Hook, and oh, these no. weren't like big costume heads or anything. We were in like actual costumes. Yeah, and they had a big inflatable bouncy pirate ship. And so, like, Scott and I kind of worked out what the story we wanted to, to you know, role play with these kids. And uh, so Scott went in, and he's like, oh, where's Jimmy, the birthday boy? And he's like, hey, I Was need he your Macho help. Man? Hey, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy Stucker. Um, I need your help hiding this treasure from Captain Hook. He's, he's after me. Uh, and I need the help of my Lost Boys to, to hide it from him. Uh and so he like gives the little sack of gold to the kid. Uh, kid hides it. 
And then I come in, all Captain Hook-like, and it's like, oh, where's where's the treasure? Um, you know, who has it? This and that, this and that. I don't think that's the voice actor. Was Captain Hook Irish? <laughs> where's the treasure? Uh, and uh, Mick Hook. Um, and Scott proceeded to instruct these children that they had to defeat, they had to defeat me uh-huh. and where to hit me, but my nuts. Yeah, of course. And so just another party with a bunch of kids just punching me in the nuts, except this time they were instructed to do so by my, at the time, best friend. Um, <laughs> that makes me think there's a, there's a video in recent months, uh, it's a ki- bunch of kids at a birthday party. It's obviously from pre- it's pre-pandemic, but <clears throat> excuse me. But it's like uh, it's like it's like all the it's like a Captain America, Spider Man, Batman's there for some reason, and then Thanos, and all these kids just beat the shit out of Thanos, and everybody <laughs> else doesn't know what to do. I have to send it to you. I'll probably post it to the Instagram, but like. <laughs> But it's like set to the Avengers theme. I have to find the video. It's very funny. But like, yeah, it's just like they're the, all the people in costumes. Are like, what the fuck are we supposed uh, to do? Like, and just <laughs> Thanos just getting his. Like, they're they're performing WWE style moves on him. Like, it is it is amazing. Like, Thanos is just getting his ass handed to him. Yeah, some something about like a character at a children's birthday party. Like those kids see. Anything with a giant head, and they're just going to beat the shit out of it. Yeah, or stick its fucking tail in a light socket. Or that. Okay, speaking of uh, tails and light sockets, uh, Egon's hair in this one, pretty big. Pretty tall. See, the connection I made there, listener, was that if you were to put your finger in a light socket, your hair would go up on end. Got it. Anyway, I knew you got it. I didn't know if they got it or not. Well. Great um, great segue. I love this stretch of the movie right here where like we're kind of, you know, being reintroduced to all of our old friends mm-hmm. one scene at a time. We got one uh two two people uh having their, you know, life ruined by a child at a birthday party and then cut to Egon ruining a couple's marriage for science. <laughs> for science and then uh, Egon <laughs> is like a manipulative sociopath in this scene. It's crazy. He even lies to, he lies to Dana. When she asked if if Peter like asks about her, yeah. he says no, and then just gets a quick reading. Like that's something I hadn't caught before, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that's very funny. Uh, I also didn't catch it before uh, the very subtle setting of time where we are in the year with the uh, small Christmas tree in the background of the scene. Yeah, there's a lot of Christmas shit later in the movie, so you immediately, I mean, you you know when it is. No, I know, but like it's just kind of you know. Setting it early. We don't want to like give him caught too, it. Hey, you know where you are. We don't want to give him too much Christmas. That comes later. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> hey, Nick. Um, since this movie like takes place at Christmas time, is Ghostbusters two a Christmas movie? No, this is uh, this is more of a New Year's movie. <laughs> I think. Thanks, guy from the internet, and thank you, Nick, for answering that seriously. Hey, you're welcome, guy from the internet. Um. What do we got? What's my next note? Is Kevin Dunn, dude? That my next note was Kevin fucking Dunn. <laughs> check. And he was so close to being right. He was so close to being right about his prediction about the end of the world. Yeah. Well, it, didn't he? Yeah, he, his prediction is like is New Year's is is uh, uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah, his yeah his is uh, yeah. Which I'm sure he got pissed off because he probably sued Vinkman. 
because <laughs> Venkman ruined his uh, his prediction. Yeah. Uh, and then there is the other lady uh, with her prediction, um, which, boy, I'll tell you, such a great device for the show within the movie to have the character of Pete Venkman like just fucking mug straight to the camera. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do that at any other point in the movie. Yeah. But if you give him a show, he could just he could just give that look right down the barrel. Yeah. Right down the video scope. Yeah. Macho man. Aren't you at a kid's birthday party? Uh yeah, that's him being a talk show host for Psychic is beautiful. I love it so mm-hmm. much. It's such yeah. a good character moment. Oh yeah. And then and then we're introduced to the sh- to, to the slimy mayor's assistant, and then mm. Pete Pete Vinkman trying to get the uh, trying to get the trying to get the collect the bill. <laughs> hey, he stiffed us, in which we find out. Yeah, you know what happened to the Ghostbusters after that. Uh, but of course, Kurt Fuller uh, playing the the mayor's assistant. Oh, he's so good. Um, in this. And yeah, like two of my favorite character actors. Full stop. Just in scenes back to back between Kevin Dunn and Kurt Fuller. Yeah. So good. And then cut to uh the museum and we're introduced to Janosch, Peter yes. McNichol. Uh at this point, a, a robbery. We're watching a robbery happen as Peter McNichol steals this fucking movie. <laughs> this is something I found out while looking up. This is according to IMDB, so I don't know if it's true or not. But uh Peter McNichol hit like most of the Yanu shit is his idea. Like the accent. Yeah, and sure. I believe it. And his backstory is that Janusz is from Carpathia. Why is that just never like seeped into our brain yeah. at any point? And like, of you course. Know? Well, I mean, we don't think about that because he's, he tells us he's from the Upper West Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, apparently, yeah, that's, and like he even, like, this is all according to IMDb, um, which we all know is true and fa- uh, factual all the time. Yeah. But uh, he even came up with an idea for, like, uh, the, the nation's uh, Carpathia's flag. Like, he thought of everything. That's an actor's actor right Yeah, there. and that's why he always steals the show in every movie he's in except for the Mr. Bean movie. Because <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's Bean's show, baby. That's Bean Town. Yeah, that's Bean Town, baby. Um, uh, yeah, Peter McNichol just hands down, like, maybe my MVP of the movie, honestly. He's great. He's he great. He's so good. Excellent. Uh, you know, and, and you, you mentioned MC Hammer doing Adam's Family. I'm pretty sure MC Hammer did the Adam's Family Value song as well, didn't he? Did he not? Did he? I think that's the one he did. He didn't do the first movie. I think he did do the first movie. I think he did both. I think, he did. no, I think that the, the Adam's Family rap, I think it's just the... Well, either way, Peter McNichol is in <laughs> movies that we've already mentioned, uh, stealing the show wherever he goes. Except for Mr. Bean. Yeah, what what film... Uh, first of all, it's on the album Too Legit to Quit. Um, Adam's Groove. It, it's from the first movie. Thought so. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> the Australian CD single was Adam's Groove. Adam's Groove intr- instrumental. And then Too Legit to Quit. Alright. You go, Hammer. Don't hurt him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Please, Hammer. Uh, but here, man, every single second that Peter McNichol is on screen in this movie, he is just so 
He, he's so fucking committed. He's more committed than anything Bill Murray does in this movie. Uh, I, like, I got I got some Murray shit later on in this movie that I, I, I have questions anyway. Okay, absolutely. Um, I am I am ready to dissect them. Uh, but yeah, McNichol is just is is just a thousand percent committed in this movie, and it and it shows through. It's great. I feel like he's doing what John Kennedy wanted. Kennedy Candy wanted to do in the first movie with Lewis. You know what I mean? Honestly, yeah. Like every single like down to the movement of a finger for Janosch is is character motivated. God, yeah. it's so good. I fucking love it so much. When later on the movie, this is the part I love. When Pete shakes his hand and Janos <laughs> just grabs it, like he it's it's the weirdest grab. And he just it's like mo- this weird, like dead fish. It's like he's picking grab. up a, a single strawberry, like a grape. Like a single <laughs> grape. Like just with all of his fingers. It's weird. Ah, I love it. Okay, Dana okay, so Dana had to get a job at the museum because of Oscar for some reason. As he's getting older, she can go back to the orchestra. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Here's where there's a lot of suspect shit. Between, like, how many hours is she working at the museum? Yeah. Uh, and, and and how many hours did she work as a, as a fucking cellist? Yeah. Like, probably, prob- if I guess, probably around the same. Maybe she just needed the day job. Maybe that was it. She couldn't do any actual symphonies at night. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but still, nevertheless, pretty suspect. Um, and one, I like her apartment much more in this movie than in, in the first movie. Uh, it seems it just feels more lived in. Yeah. You know? the, 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 this apartment in the, the in this movie, uh, I don't know if Dana just stole some paintings from the museum because she's got a lot of like old paintings in there like that were recently restored. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and I know we skipped the scene, but, but we'll get back to it. Um, I don't think there's enough of a conversation that has taken place in the years since this movie has come out as to what an absolute fucking scumbag, uh, Oscar's father, uh, was. Yeah. Like it's very nonchalant. They way that they mentioned in the movie that. That he just got a better opportunity, like things weren't working out, and he got a better opportunity in Europe. Well, we haven't uh, we haven't gotten there yet. We, we haven't gotten there yet. I understand. Like yeah. I said, we, I know we skipped the scene, but we're skipping to this scene. Like, what an like, I don't give a shit how good the opportunity is, my guys. Mm-hmm. Like your kid was just fucking born. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, that just like. Really sunk in this time around as, as you know, watching this as, as a man, as a ma- as a real man yeah. in his mid thirties. Well, the, the theory, the theory, which I think, I think it was Ivan Reitman who might've said this in one of the commentaries that it was his belief that the stiff from the first movie yeah. is the father, AKA the villain from Beverly Hills Cop three. And I believe it. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, Who's the stiff? So then when you go back and watch the original movie, mm-hmm. You hate him even more. Yeah. He, you know what? He is a stiff. And a fucking scumbag. And who the hell uses uh, nasal spray? That. Yeah, who fucking... <laughs> <laughs> you doing that? I could feel it. 
<laughs> Watching you put nasal spray, I could feel it go like that. This it's the funny, Ooh. weirdest fucking feeling. Anyway, uh, anyway, before that scene, before they get to Danny's apartment, we find ourselves at Ray's occult. Oh my god! First of all, the signage outside is beautiful. Beautiful. I've been meaning to get a T-shirt of that logo for a long time. Yeah, it's so um, good. I'm trying to think what else is so great. Yeah, I just love Ray's what? occult. It's, it's such a good little little set. And it seems to be a pretty thriving business. Yeah. You know, he's got the business of a whole coven. Vanquin's got his own account there. Like, he's taking calls. People want to know how late he opened, how late can I actually get there, stuff like that. His his hours is kind of weird. Because he's like, yeah, we're up until 7 on the weekdays, but midnight. Like, what are they doing after 10 p.m. on, on Saturday? Independent research. I'm glad I, I turned into fucking Jerry Soundford for what are they doing over there? <laughs> what are they doing at 10 p.m. on a Saturday? Whatever, Nick. Just wrap this podcast up so you can go buy me a calzone. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Bankman, calzone, man. Love it. Uh, Yeah, okay. So when Bankman goes into the thing, uh, talking about the penthouse pet and all that stuff, mm-hmm. that is part of a cut gag from beginning from earlier where Vinkman prank phone calls Ray using uh, that voice. And that, uh, hello. Yeah. That makes sense as to why he's just doing a fucking bit voice. Yeah. But I, I, this is what I wanted to bring up later. Vinkman does so many fucking bits in this movie. Yeah. Like, very bit heavy. Like, he does bits that would, like, if you were working with this guy, you would fucking hate him. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like... You know, we've we've done improv long enough to where we we hang out with improvisers as as we are ourselves. Yeah. You know that just kind of tracks, man. <laughs> like, there's enough of these people that that we know and work with. It's like, well, that, yeah, yeah, no, I guess we gotta. That's the thing, though. Like, I know I am kind of that person. I don't know, but you're not I'm always not proud of it. You're not always on, are you? I feel like Vaitman is <laughs> no. always on. <laughs> at at work. Just to entertain myself sometimes, I'm on I'm on more than I should be, I'll say that. Yeah. But like, like I should be more professional than I am. But this is later in the movie where they're uh, this this is the this is the part where this is my breaking point on which I'm like, is he always doing fucking bits? Oh. Was when they're taking he's taking pictures of Vigo in the fucking museum and he's doing the fashion like the fashion photo shoot or whatever, and I'm just like, Vankman, like everybody else is just calm and composed. Where he is just yelling in a place of business as he's doing his job <laughs> while his coworkers are trying to do their job. Like as a kid watching and going, like, oh, this is this man's pretty funny, but now I'm just like, God, I would hate to work with this guy. I mean, I found <laughs> that more as him just fucking with Yano. Oh yeah, definitely. But like, yeah. <laughs> I think that <laughs> there's probably a staff meeting at one point in the Ghostbusters Inc. It's just like, all right. Vinkman, or yeah, Vinkman, we need to talk to you about the bits you keep doing. <laughs> I mean, I think that's probably a big reason why he doesn't live at the firehouse with that. That's they probably fucking kicked his ass out because he was doing one too many bits. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, he had that apartment way before he was mine at the psychic. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, that apartment. I want to bring this up. It looks like uh, a flea market exploded in there. Oh my! We will get to the apartment. yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's that's what I have to say about that for the time being. Where are we at now? Dana the museum. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they go to the they go to the right. Wow, I skipped. They go to 
they go to Ray's, they go to Dana's apartment. Yeah, and then there's that whole thing. Straightened a slinky. Straightened a slinky. We had part of a slinky, but I straightened it. So good. Um, yeah, that whole. What, dun, 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 dun. That scene is the reason I, uh, every time I pick up a snow globe, I do that to it. <laughs> Just have it up, hold it upside down while the snow falls. And then, because a lot of people shake it. Right. Isn't it weird? By weird, I mean, isn't it like just fucked up of our own selves? Like, how many idiosyncrasies and just weird little things that we do that we get from these movies. It's weird, man. Like the piano thing that I talked about yeah. in the last episode. Uh, the, uh, that, that bass line that I was just doing, yeah. I will do that anytime I hold a guitar or a bass, the snow globe thing for you. It's just like these movies have informed a literal behavior when I, within ourselves. Anytime a friend of mine is using a stethoscope on a table, I immediately take a book and throw it down on the table. I do it every time. <laughs> Or if they have it hooked up to their forehead. You talking talk to it. Directly yeah, yeah to you it. talking to it. Yeah. You got to. It's a good bit. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, this whole like, this whole scene is yeah basically just providing backstory for why Dana has a baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> An eight-month-old at that. Yeah. That is a... All right, so how, how long after... How long did Venkman and Dana date, do you think? I'm gonna say it feels like three years, and then and then it feels like two to three years, and then immediately after that, she met, uh, she uh, rekindled her mm-hmm. with that the, with the stiff, yeah, and then let's see, which to me would explain why they were able to like get back into a relationship and have a child so quickly, exactly, and then they were together for, um, I mean, no longer than a year and four months, <laughs> right. Yeah, and then eight months. Yeah, and then Oscar's an eight, 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 eight month year old. Yeah, that make that makes sense. Eight month year old. Yeah. Uh, this is my son. He's twenty eight months old. Like, no, he's two. Um, what are we doing? Where are we in notes wise? Oh yes, uh, digging in the street. They, digging in the street. Well, digging in the street. They go out uh, to the street before, and they're following the the PK and the Geiger meter, and we hear that there's a spot in the road. That hits a 1.118 on the PKE meter. What does that mean? It's the only, it's, uh, to me, it seems like that's like almost the maximum. I'm assuming the maximum it's two. for the PKE meter, no, it's probably like 1.12 <laughs> or something. You know? So like when we're trying to come up with a new rating system for this, I'm going to say, no. wh- wh- how much was it on the PKE meter? <laughs> and I will tell you, it was a point. One two. Oh man, it was the best. Yeah, and the, it was the most full. And the Geiger meter, which like there's a Geiger counter. Like, is there nuclear waste? Like, is ectoplasm? Yeah, that one didn't make sense. Yeah, at all. it's weird. Um, yeah, I love. Yeah, I love the whole digging sequence. Mm-hmm. I love that they that. Uh, yeah, Pete and Egon. More bits. They all have to do bits. Oh, they all did bits. Yo, a Ziggy. Oh man, I love. Uh, <laughs> Like Ray's just looking down in there, and this just watch Egon and and, and Venkman silently agree they're not going. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you you see the little baby's grin pop up on Egon's face, and you're just like, ah. Oh. 
Ray getting stuck with it again. I love it. Oh, man. Harold Ramis is, like I said, his performance as Egon is like top 10 for me. Like it's so, everything oh, he does yeah. is so subtle. I was watching this with my roommate Liz and she was just, she commented on just like how comforting a presence Harold Ramis yeah. was in this movie. Yeah. That's like, um, what movie did he pop up in as a doctor randomly? And I'm just like, oh yeah, fuck. Or even as, as Seth Rogen's dad and knocked up. Yeah. Was just like, so again, just so soothing. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, you know, his, his, his wife still lives in Chicago. Oh, I didn't know that. She lives on, um, somebody told me this. She lives in one of the apartments, you know, on, um, I was going to say like, don't, let's not dox her. Yeah. No, nah, I, I, I'll tell, I'll tell you off mic where, where apparently she lives. Um, okay. <laughs> which I thought was cool. That, that little, that little factoid that I got, but yeah, I, I apparently know which apartment, not, a, not the exact, but the building, I know what building she sure. lives in anyway. Sure. Because <laughs> somebody from that building was like, you know, so, you know, like they told me straight up anyway. Uh, because they found out I was a Ghostbusters fan, they're like, you know, like well, you're gonna love this. Like you're gonna love this bit of trivia I'm about to give you about my neighbor. Like what the fuck? Why do you, like? <laughs> why do I know that now? Anyway, I'll tell you off, Mike. Just remind me. Okay. <laughs> um, where are we at in the notes? Uh, uh we're in the dig river of slime. Yes. Cutting. Why are you cutting? That whole scene. Tell me another one. The phone lines are over there. The phone lines are over there. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> um, and then the blackout happens. The blackout. Uh, the creepy Yanar scene with the lights in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he talks to Vigo as well. Um, the let's get to the court scene because that's what that's what Bobby Brown cares about. He th- that's what this the, movie is according to Bobby Brown. I have written down here. This, the entire court sequence, mm-hmm. just may be my favorite stretch in all of anything Ghostbusters. It's, I think, you know why? Because it's different. It's so fucking different from everything else. It's, it's a real different vibe. Yeah. And it's, but, but a vibe that, that brings you right into that old familiar shoe. It's, you a, know? it's, it's good pacing. There's a lot of games in it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like when you got, uh, Lewis leading the witness, like that's a good game. <laughs> yep. And it's so good. Yeah. It's just a, the, it's just that whole, it's just, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is the, the Cedric hotel sequence. Basically. Yeah. Listen, yeah. You know, but, uh, oh God, I love, there, there's some nits to pick. Like there's no jury. Like this, it wasn't a hearing or anything, but but you and I have talked about this off mic on the whack pack before. But how quickly they got a court date? Yeah, that was that was that was maybe days later. And I'm th- in my mind, it's the next day. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think and the the reason that we agreed on was the fact that yes. Kurt Fuller's character hates Bateman so much that he sped up the court date. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, just the ghostbusters in general, like he just wants, like he sees an opportunity to put the ghostbusters away mm-hmm. and he's going to jump on. Yeah. Um, and then the one quibble I have, and I understand narratively like why it didn't happen, but I just really wish Winston could have gotten in on this scene for the ghost busting of the Scolari brothers. 
Like he's at, he's there. Yeah. He's at the trial, yeah. but you know, they didn't confiscate. They only confiscated the three packs mm-hmm. from the three guys that were there. So, and should Winston have maybe been with them on the dig? Yeah, probably. I would have liked to, if that would have been the case, but yeah, you, because earlier you said there's a lot of Winston stuff, but like Winston doesn't really kick into gear until about, I don't know, when did he kick into gear in the first movie? About 40 minutes in? Yeah. It's the same with this movie. But, and, and but there's, it's there's Waddle. More. It's like Waddle all Winston after that, because you got. Yeah. That's uh, good. Yes. Because I'm just looking at my notes and I'm just like, there's not really any Winston stuff until later on. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where are we at? But, right. Yeah. But this whole court sequence, man, is just like top tier, like just just incredibly good shit more slime mm-hmm. like again it kind of it, it it gives it builds more story about the slime yeah like it gives the slime functionality the uh the the judge uh was great i forget his the actor's name but the but the judge is great lewis is great in this sequence lewis is um, intru- he wins the case he wins his case lewis's introduction is the best introduction in this movie because like <laughs> They're like, yeah, tell that to our lawyer. And all of a sudden, Lewis comes in with a shitload of, obviously, lawyer books that he's been studying, throws them down on the table, and they, like, this is our lawyer, everybody. <laughs> like, it's so good. And his opening argument, too, was was uh, infallible. Um, all right, so you mentioned that a Vin Diesel-type short film. I want a Los Bandolero-style short film about Lewis getting stuck in that fucking elevator. And I had to make the whole time. He had to make the whole time. <laughs> Which is incredibly, like, par- like right in line with Lewis's character of getting locked in or out of things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good. But yeah, I would just love to see, like, it's just him and two other people stuck in a dark elevator, like, an emergency light on. He has to pee the entire time. Mm-hmm. Ugh. That would be so funny to me. Oh, boy, you think this stuff still works? It should, as a half-life of 5,000 years. Kid's birthday. Dope. Kid's birthday party. Ray. Egon. Great bit. Good bit. It's a good bit. Um, and then two in the box ready to go. We be fast and they be slow. I, Boom. I want to bring this up before we exit this scene. The bailiff yeah. is played by George P. Wilbur. And you know who else George P. Wilbur played? Michael Myers in Halloween 6. Oh, shit. The Curse of Michael Myers. So we got Mullet Michael up in this. Hell yeah. (laughs) Go back and listen to season one of this podcast where we go over the Halloween franchise. How far we've come. Oh, man. It's weird. It is kind of weird. All car related. Yeah. All these all these franchises we cover have famous uh, drivers or cars. That's true. Anyway, where are we at right now? Yeah, Do Ray um, Egon, uh, Tech and Choir class used to do that shit all the time. <laughs> uh, so good. I I probably saw this movie before I ever watched Sound of Music in in elementary school. So. It was probably one of those things where I thought Do Re Egon was I think. the re- was what the reference was. Yeah. Um, but they're back in business. They're back now. <laughs> the all the re- the restraining orders have been rescinded. 
literally the opposite of what Kurt Fuller wanted to happen happened. Yeah. Uh. Uh, and all that said, given the history, given the abuse at work, given the fact that she'd have to be working for an ex, <laughs> there's... 1,000% no reason Janine should have ever have come back to work for the Ghostbusters. Yeah. She hated that job. She was overworked, underpaid. Yeah. She almost got blown up. Yeah. And, and uh, Egon obviously is incapable of, of, you know, any sort of lasting relationship mm-hmm. until, you know, we find out whatever the fuck we're going to find out in Afterlife or whatever fucking reason. Yeah, that'd be, it's going to be interesting. Um, but, but there's... I'm, now that said, I'm very glad Janine came back. Yeah. Um, because, um, uh, boy, uh, a- a- Annie Potts in this film, huh? Um, <laughs> looking pretty good. Yeah. I definitely prefer uh, G2 Janine over G1. Yeah. Uh, let's, I, I, I got to ask this question. I'm, I'm sorry. And also, Annie Potts. What a fucking verse. She's, yeah. Oh, fucking. Yeah, she's great. Good Lord. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of all that. Uh, I keep thinking about Jumpin' Jack Flash. Uh-huh. She's in that movie as... Is she Whoopi Goldberg's? No, she plays... Oh, man. Jumpin' Jack Flash. Who does she play in that? She's really good in that movie. She has a, She's a supporting character. Mm-hmm. Of course, Toy Story. Yep. Designing Women. We're gonna have a Delta Burt. What's our Delta Burt podcast gonna? Oh my, Annie Potts and Delta Burt. <laughs> one one show. Good lord, so good. Okay, so the thing I gotta ask you. Yes. What is the in movie reason why the Ghostbusters signing is holding up two fingers? Well, because they're back for the second time. It's like, hey, we're at it again. This is the first time and the second time. Uh, or, or that, or like, you know. I think it's for legal reasons. To be honest with you, they legally cannot be the Ghostbusters. They are technically Ghostbusters Two Inc. That's why the they couldn't get the rights to the Ecto One license plate, so they had to go with Ecto One A. Ah, God, honestly, you are probably it is probably just a bunch of legal stuff. Like they kicked around a bunch of different alternate names, like Ghostbusters with a Z. Yeah. Uh, that was a little corny. Ghost Space Busters. Yeah. Yeah, I love that this movie uh, doesn't even have, like... Because the first movie has Ghost, then Busters. And this movie is just like, fuck it, we're just going to show you the logo, and that's it. Yeah. Y'all know what it is. Yeah. Y'all know what you got into. Uh, also, at this point, we uh, uh, hop into a, a montage to where I just wrote this soundtrack fucking slaps! My, the only note I have for the montage is Slimer definitely has an ass. Because in the first movie, he had to talk about Slimer's dump truck. Yeah. In the first movie, he has a ghost tail. But in this one, he clearly has an ass. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he's also just a completely different, like, character design. Almost. Yeah, it's weird. But I don't know how ghosts work. Do you know how ghosts work? No, you don't. So maybe he grew, he, like, grew, he, grew, he, grew he grew an ass. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he just manifested an ass. He is. He's a lot larger in this film. Yeah. Well, it's so... The Slimer in this film kind of more so is consistent with the Slimer in the ghost montage of the first movie where he comes out of the hot dog cart eating hot dogs. Yeah. Because you know? that's a bigger Slimer, I think. It is a bigger Slimer. So maybe even though the food does fall through him, maybe it's still through some transitive properties. 
still affects his mass. He's a uh, and that ass. He's got a he's got a he's got a dump truck. I I think as um you know a character that Al Pacino once played would say. He's got a great ass. Oh, we talk. We talk about uh, Detective Vincent Hanna from uh, *Robbery Homicide* <laughs> in the in the 1990 film *Michael Mann* film *Heat*. That maybe I am. That received zero Academy Award nominations, but should have won every Academy Award that it wasn't nominated for. Nick, do you watch the re- or do you listen to the rewatchables? No, I don't. Uh, they talk about *Heat* enough on that podcast, and they've done two two episodes on *Heat*. Heat and the reheat. Uh, <laughs> that you should just go and seek those out. I, sh- I think you. I really that. should because I love heat. Uh, fuck, I love that movie so much. They've done most of Michael Mann's movies on that podcast. I rewatch Heat every five years, and like, I have to because if 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 I didn't, I'd I'd watch it every day. But it's like it's three fucking hours long, so I gotta like you know. Yeah. I gotta. I, I, I like. I'm watching Heat today. Like I make it a making a day out of it. It's Heat. Day. Yeah, and. It's so good. Like, how the fuck did that movie not get any Academy Award nominations? Look, man, the Academy Awards shouldn't happen until five years after the movies they're judging. That's all I'm saying. That's very true. Uh, um, what do we got? Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just gonna say in this in this montage, we're also introduced to the darker jumpsuits uh, that they wear, which are a tight fucking fit, my guy. Let me tell you about those little jumpsuits. Lay it on That's me. what they originally were going to wear throughout the whole movie, but Ivan Reitman was like, nah, I don't like it. So they went back to the old jumpsuits. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I like I like them, you know, going back and forth between them. The jumpsuits um, in this one are different because they have pop collars mm-hmm. um, instead of the, the, the lay down flat collars. Yeah. They're different. I mean, just, just from a merchandising standpoint, it's better that that they had multiple suits you know Mm -hmm. because as we have come many years down the line lord knows they made i think it feels like they make more ghostbusters 2 toys and collectibles than they do for the first fucking movie i mean it's like uh well it's a very merchandisable movie because at this point we've already had the tv show and then they're drawing a lot of shit from the cartoon into this movie I mean, the concept of Ghostbusting itself is very Toyetic, mm-hmm. and much less the actual like designs of the characters and everything. You know? Yeah. Which what, I need to talk to you about this because I saw your Instagram. Was it your Instagram or your Twitter? In which you... my Twitter today, which I've deleted since. <laughs> Fucking Walmart is the drizzling shits of retail. I swear to fucking God. Between. All the pre-sales that they'll cancel yeah. on you for, for fuck all uh, to the way they ship things is just absolutely maddening. They recently, Hasbro's recently come out with re-releasing some of the real Ghostbusters uh, toys. The, the first wave was, you know, all the, 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 your main characters plus Slimer and Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And then they got the second wave coming uh, out. You mean the fearsome flush. You mean the green ghost? The green ghost. <laughs> uh, fearsome flush. Uh, the one I, I can't, I, I don't remember the fucking name, but the one eye guy with the one eye popper uh, and, and Ecto one. Mm-hmm. So uh, we all got our pre-sales in very happy that we got them in because their website, the day the fucking pre-sales went up was a shit show as well. You couldn't find the ordering link or anything. I got a story after this that involves the PS five, but continue. <laughs> uh, and, so the date that they gave us 
that they gave me at least for when I could expect these items to come in. Um, we're like literally right around the, the time that I was going to be moving. So I was like stressed out about like, all right, well, let me get an address and then I'll be able to like, you know, re have them, you know, reroute it to my new address. But then a couple days ago, I get an email saying, Hey, your products are being shipped. It's like, Oh, fucking great. Perfect. I don't have to do any work. Excellent. And my one, the, the, the Cyclops popper comes in today. It comes packed in a fucking bubble mailer. This is a bubble on card figure that would just hang, you know, off the, the J hook, off the hook that came in essentially what is a bag. This came in a bag. Mind you, kids aren't buying these fucking things. These are explicitly for collectors. These are explicitly for us assholes in our mid-30s buying these toys as soon as we can. Online. Hey, I'm still in my early 30s. Um, Every time I go to Walmart here, the Ghostbusters toys fully in stock. Exactly. I think That's I, why I don't feel bad bitching about them. I think I've bought half of them. They're, again, kids don't do not give a shit. Like, you go into Walmart and every other toy in the fucking aisle... Will be depleted. Let me go. Let me tell you this though. Uh, little tease for season four: Jurassic Park toys, retro toys are coming back at Target. Yes, I saw that. Anyway, yes. continue. Yeah, the retro toys, and they also have the Amber collection, which is also pretty good. I got the um, I got the Sam Jackson one, and it's got yeah, the arm that's severed as oh, well in the computer. Yeah, I almost bought it. <laughs> uh, absolutely worth it. Um, but yeah, so the thing, and it just comes like the bubbles damaged. The card is creased. Yeah. And it's just it's just very fucking frustrating. Yeah. Like again, there's a lot. Literally everything else that happens in the world is a much graver injustice than what I just fucking ranted about. <laughs> yeah, they um But Walmart, come on. They they fucked up big time because uh this past I think it was last Thursday Wednesday or Thursday. It was Thursday because I didn't have anything to do at work that day. Um a, they a pre-order pop a order popped up for the PS5. Let me tell you, Rip. I got I put my credit card information in. I put my address in. Everything it was going to be shipped. And I click place order, and they said there's an error. And then like it took me back. And then I pressed place order again. And then like and then finally it went through. And all of a sudden it goes sorry out of stock. Yep. And like, but you you. You had like it's if you still went back to the screen, it still said the price was five hundred dollars, and it still yep. said add to cart. Yep. And like I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this yeah. website, dude? Uh, and and oh, why don't you just buy these uh, somewhere else? Well, for these figures, they're Walmart exclusive. Yeah. So you know, unless I want to buy, you know, pay for them marked up on the secondhand market. Or, no, nah. no. Don't get me started. On the WWE Masters of the Universe crossover figures that are only Walmart exclusive as well. Wait, is Macho Man He-Man? Uh, there is no, like, real He-Man. Um, and they've got, like, five or six ways of these out already. Oh, okay. Um, but they're, they're, they're very good. Oh, okay. Um, but for all intents and purposes, let's say Macho Man is He-Man. He-Man. All right. To quote Joe Bob Briggs... Back to the movie. Back to the movie. All right. So what are we at? Um, Slimer we has an ass. <laughs> yes. Uh, we are at Vakeman's apartment now. I have. Uh, oh, this is the Bassmasters bit. 
Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I have the way Janos shakes Venkman's hand, which I didn't realize I'd have to write the word, the name Janos so much. Janos. Like, I'd never spelled it before. I didn't even know how you spelled the name until I, like, saw it in the credits. I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, really cracks me up. But, yeah, the way he shakes his yeah. hand, and then the bathtub scene. Yes, 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 you're right. Which... I, as a child, thought about this scene. Every time turned on the tub to get in there, thought slime was going to come out. There's a there's a lot to think about, you yeah. know, in this scene. A lot of a lot of you know, people in a generation before us, two generations before us, you know, they'd watch Jaws, and then just be afraid of the water in general. And I, you know, there's plenty of adults you'd hear growing up. Talk about how they had a hard time getting in the bath even after watching Jaws. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well. I don't even know if there is a bath in Jaws. But there is a bath in <laughs> Ghostbusters 2. And in that bath, you almost see Sigourney Weaver just in a... Well, you do see Sigourney Weaver in just a bra. Yeah. And that's... As a kid, you're like, all right. And then... <laughs> and then the bath... The water turns from water to what, what looks like there's just intestines piling yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it is just absolute. It is it is a fucking fright fest. That is that thing a puppet? That is the tub and slime thing a puppet? Because it looks great. Yeah. Well, industrial light and magic. Yeah. Would you expect? Yeah. Of course. Um. Yeah. It, it seems like a puppet. It also uh, this this second time around or second time playing this is the second time I'm watching this movie. This time around watching the movie, like it looks like the slime like grows a lot taller in that first shot when it's behind Dana. Mm-hmm. And then like, it's a little shorter from shots after that. Um, but I think it is a, like a puppet and then like a rubber tub. Yeah. Because it's so cool the way the tub just like bends in. On yeah. That's own. exactly what it looks like to me, which like now that would be CGI and it probably wouldn't look well, as great. I mean, you say the same thing about all these fucking movies. Guess what? Afterlife is going to be all CGI. And it isn't going to look as good. So just be ready. Right. Just be ready. Right. Let's, let's talk about this real quick. That the, the, the mini Stay Puffs. That was some good uh-huh. CGI. Sure. CGI is good now. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anyway, I think that's like one of my uh, one of my gripes with uh, the 2016 Ghostbusters. It's it's going to hinder any Ghostbusters in the modern. Yeah, era. that's all I'm saying. Like. What I'm saying is we need more, we need more puppets and stuff. Yes, absolutely. Like I that mini Stay puff scene, it was it was very entertaining. I would have loved to have seen what it looked like with with puppets, puppetry, yeah. or something else. Yes. It would have been weird. Um, bathtub scene. I love Vinkman's right. loft. Vinkman's so apartment is out of control. Uh, like I said earlier, it's an enormous. A flea market exploded in there. That is. That is so incredibly accurate. <laughs> um, it is as as my roommate Liz uh, described it, uh, just a series of half rooms. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> like, there's no real defined anything. Like, even the the even the bathroom is all windows. Yeah, why the fuck does his bathroom door have a fucking window? In, like, it's crazy. It's it is it is absolutely berserk the layout of that that apartment is haunted that's what's actually fucking haunted right there it is chaotic yeah. just how open the space is he has and all the columns and everything he has two dioramas for no reason <laughs> and they're side by side 
And it's absolutely huge. And and yes, we understand that, like, you know, being a Ghostbuster was a lucrative profession. And then he does have a public access television yeah. show after that. So the man obviously has a career. Yeah. But that is truly, truly chaotic. Also, uh, I noticed for the first time on the fridge that Pete Bankman has a magnet of a macaw on the fridge. And anytime I see a parrot anywhere... Yeah. I can't help but think, is Peter Bankman a closet parrothead? Um, I would see him doing that. I could see it. You know? I could see him and Ray tailgating and then going to a Buffett concert. Yes, definitely. Egon and Winston? Absolutely not. No. Never would be associated with that kind of tomfoolery. No, of course not. The uh, in this scene, uh, yeah, Vinkman calls up Ray, and they're doing like weird experiments with the slime. Oh, we had we fucking skipped over the toaster scene, didn't we? Not yet. I feel like we have. Honestly, very possible. Yes. Which I'm trying to think. What, what what notes do we have about the about the about the toaster scene? Well, there's, it's just that there's like so many scenes where they're like, I've just seen them a billion times yeah. and I feel like, oh, I, we'll, we'll talk about this. I don't need to write anything down for this. That's exactly the way I felt. And guess what? We both scooped over it. Yep. <laughs> we're going to finish this clocking in at, at, at four hours and 30 minutes and we're still going to be have people tweeting at us. You guys didn't even talk about the toaster scene. Uh, yeah. It's just like uh, Egon sleeping with the slime. Now... As a child, you know, I, I would take the term sleeping with incredibly literally. Yeah. Uh, and that Egon would sleep with a jar. He would go to sleep with a jar of slime in his yeah. bed. Like snuggling with it like a, like a teddy bear. Yes. Um, but as we are now men of the world uh, and we understand things better than we once did. Do you think he, uh, do you think he put his dick in his slime? Is he dropping dong in the slime? <laughs> I, put my, I put my dick in some slime. I, uh, so Charlie and I just started uh, me rewatching her for the first time watching Detroit. Yeah. And we rewatched the episode where the security guard was like pitching just a bunch of unusable ideas. Yeah. Uh, to to uh, Sam. Where, is that, the where is that available to stream? Paramount Plus. Oh, well, fuck. Never mind. <laughs> I know. Uh, she just already has it, because before Avatar was back on um, Netflix, mm -hmm. that's how we were watching oh, okay. it. Um, and one of the one of the pitches that the, the guy has is, uh, it's just a naked man. Uh, and then it's a tub of butter. <laughs> and he just dips his dick into butter. And he just dips his dick in another tub of butter. He just dig And then just butter. And that's how I imagine Egon <laughs> sleeping with the slime. Is he just like drops his dong into a tub of into a tub of slime? Uh, I don't want to think about that anymore. Sorry for ruining everybody's childhood, everybody. Uh, it's always the quiet ones. <laughs> Great wrap up, and that is, of course, the toaster scene. <laughs> uh, also, the first time I ever heard Jackie Wilson's higher and higher. Yeah. Which that's a good callback um, for later in the movie that they use it again. Excellent callback. Mm -hmm. uh, also, 
it just made me appreciate it even more when I would hear the song at, uh, in the credit sequence of Death the Smoochie, which is also another great movie. Um, this scene introduces uh, Sony. So let me talk about mm. Sony. So last film, there's a bunch of Coke products because at the time Columbia Pictures was owned by Coca-Cola. But now it's 1989 and it's now owned by Sony. And so we get a lot more Sony stuff. So the boombox they use is a Sony boombox. Yep. Uh, Egon, when they're going to investigate the, the infamous uh, painting photo shoot, Egon is wearing headphones, which I assume Egon has a Walkman because you see a Walkman mm-hmm. later in the film made by Sony. So yep. product placement. At least that kind of aged well as like Walkman did end up kind of being like the brand name and portable music. It's true. To, like you know, personal listening devices yeah. and stuff until iPod happened. So, you know, could have been some off brand, like JVC. Yeah. Thing. What um, is this? Bad in the future. We'll be using JVC. Anyway, that's, uh, I think that's the, that's actually the camcorder that Marty has in the bad in the future is a JVC. Sound of a Coca-Cola can everybody. All right. Shakes Venkman's hand, bathtub scene, Venkman's loft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Egon and Ray definitely would host a uh, podcast. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Um, but real quick, also, <laughs> just I just need to show love to the line um, back at Venkman's apartment. Uh, uh, it's late. I've really got to put him down. Yeah. Oh, may I? Uh, and then I'll, I will I will say this to Charlie's dog, Colonel Angus Figgis Williams. Uh, uh, you're short. Your belly button sticks out too far. And you're a terrible burden on your poor mother. That's fucking funny, man. It's very funny. That's a fucking funny setup and punchline right there. It's very there. good. Oh, that's good. That shit. That's clever as hell. <laughs> I wonder if they wrote that. Probably not. That and Bill Murray talking about Joe Namath. Yeah. I got this from a girl. I got this from a girl. Got it. From Joe <laughs> Willie Namath. Willie Namath. We're not gonna. We're not. I didn't ask how she got it. We're not gonna. <laughs> so good. Oh, another thing in Bakeman's apartment that I never noticed that I thought was really cool, like a really cool, like sort of character building thing, are all the framed newspapers and magazine covers. Yeah, I ha- I ha- uh, in that like one corner of his apartment. Yeah, I have that later on because that's when she gets out of the shower and they're having that conversation. Yeah. That's where you see that. Mm-hmm. What do I have? Oh, Vigo. So he's got. Major Rasputin vibes. So, of course, mm-hmm. that makes me think of Hellboy, the the first film from Guillermo del Toro. Not like that he directed, but like the first Hellboy movie. Because yeah, yeah. Rasputin's the villain in that movie. And I just think like, man, what if we got a Ghostbusters movie that had that kind of tone? You know what I mean? How, how insane Hellboy... Have you watched the Hellboy movies? I've only seen Hellboy... Like half of Hellboy 2. Oh, okay. Hellboy 2 is definitely more goofy and has like... There's like a whole fucking town that's like, you know, supernatural creatures. But like, the first movie just deals with like Rasputin trying to take over the world like through a a black hole that a squid's in. Mm. It's insane. Like, like, watching that movie, you're like, damn, did Dan Aykroyd... Is this the first draft of a Ghostbusters movie? (laughs) That's what it feels like. Just Dan Aykroyd like writing something crazy, and then uh, Harold Ramis coming in like, "All right, let's uh, let's bring this back to the real world." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, you know, I like what we're starting yeah. with here. 
Uh, got a report of a major creep in the area, and you were top of our list. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. I love that. Yeah, that whole yeah photo shoot bit, I would not work with Vakeman. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah, he's got, in his apartment, he has newspaper articles, and there's an Ouija board on the floor next to, like, his desk. Ooh, I didn't yeah. see that. Um, what's Lewis's day job at Ghostbusters, Inc.? What does he do day in, day out? I think he's just their... Is he their accountant? Uh, yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, I think so. He's just like their accountant slash Lawyer. kind of like in-house counsel since <laughs> that kind of was a problem that they had the first time around. Yeah. So not a bad idea to have... I mean, they probably should have had a lawyer from the fucking get-go <laughs> in the first movie. Just like in general. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so probably good to have some like in-house general counsel. Yeah, I definitely feel like we should have had more Rick Moranis in this movie. We didn't get enough, in my yeah. opinion. Well, you know, he got stolen away to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, well, like I said, there was a whole subplot where he's trying to prove he, to, he could be a Ghostbuster by catching Slimer. That's what the whole, yeah. the whole bit where Slimer's eating his lunch, that was part of it. I'm trying to think what else. Like, there's like remnants of that plot line still in there. I, you know... So I was just thinking about like how God there, uh, you know, in the montage, the set to, mm-hmm. I think it's set to we're back. Is this set to we're yeah. back? <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, it goes, or is it set to ghostbusters by run DMC? I think it was, we're back. Are you talking about where he walks in on Slimer eating his lunch? Yeah. During that whole montage with the black suits and everything, um, there's the part where the Ecto-1's driving all crazy, and then mm-hmm. Vankman's looking back, and Va- Vankman's yeah. in the outfit. Like, I noticed it this time. I was like, oh, Vankman's wearing the outfit he wore to the museum later in the movie where he's taking the photos. That's the same outfit. Yeah. Did they do a thing where in the first movie, part of the montage is them outside of the Sedgwick Hotel, and they just put that in the montage, because there's a whole scene where they were talking mm-hmm. to the press outside. They just cut it up and put parts yeah. of it into the montage. So I looked it up online. And apparently, after the whole run-in with Vigo, and, you know, Ray has that weird moment. Yeah. V- Vigo apparently possesses Ray. Right. And Ray just drives real crazy. And that's what that's Oh. From. Oh. So that was, whole oh. Part of, that was part of a whole sequence where Ray was just possessed and was like, you know, doing crazy shit in the Ectomobile. Interesting. Cause I, I, cause I like how it plays out in the movie to where like, there's that one little bit where he like makes a connection with mm-hmm. Ray and, and Vigo. And then, and then it, it just kind of goes away. You don't think about it again until the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's interesting though. I'm glad they cut it, but that's also very interesting. I mean, you see a lot, there's like, there's bit, there's like little bits of stuff that, was gonna like the movie would have been over two hours if they kept all this shit because mm-hmm. like you got the whole subplot with uh well more of a subplot with Lewis trying to become a Ghostbuster I'm trying to think what else but coming up um there's bits that they thought the movie wasn't scary enough that they added on hmm. so um now we have the okay now we have the part where Vakeman and Dana are gonna go on a date. And then they just then, yeah. Egon, Ray, and Winston decide to go into the sewer. 
go to the subway station, and then we're. <laughs> I, my note is just Winston. Now, if you tell me that this is one of the things that they added to make it scarier, um, then I will tell you. Uh, on young little Richie Camelucci, mm-hmm. uh, it, it it fucking worked because that yeah. sequence, specifically the heads on sticks, fucked me up. I saw. I wrote this in my notes. Severed head on spikes. This movie is rated PG. It it shit escalated quickly. How the fuck is this movie rated PG based off that bit alone? Because this like, is. Post Temple of Doom, we have PG thirteen. Yeah. Uh, also, like later in that scene, you get the the ghost train. Yeah. You know, like that's just that that's like scary butt fun. You know. Yeah, but, but the head the, heads on spike bit, yeah. man. Nah, no nope. crazy. Uh-uh. Uh, what do, <laughs> my next note is gratuitous Bobby Brown. <laughs> so they're in the sewer. They find the river of slime. Winston mm-hmm. is, of course, pulled into it. So Egon and Ray are like, fuck it. Let's jump in after him. And then they go and visit uh, Vinkman in the, at the restaurant. And they get escorted out by the police. Uh, you're scaring the straights. <laughs> Man, so good. Uh, throwing the slime on, on. Oh, boy, that was great. Um, but yeah. Uh, 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 uh. The Bobby Brown cameo during a Bobby Brown song yeah. is, yes, that is gratuitous Bobby Brown. <laughs> Bobby Brown had no problem being gratuitous. Yes. Uh, Proton Pack is not a toy. Let's see. What else we got? Oh, and before this, we have the introduction of the Lois. Mind you, for my anniversary, my incredible girlfriend, Charlie. Got me a proton pack. Is she in the that room with you right now? Sorry. Sorry she's not. That. No, she's not. <laughs> um, but she got me this fucking proton pack, the real Ghostbusters proton pack, which I'm sure we'll talk about on our toy episode. I had holy an I- shit, it's great. I had an idea. I don't know if it would fuck it up or something, but making a buck out of that so we can make vacuum form more of those. But I, th- but I feel like they're eventually because that's like. I remember They'll get that being on the reproductions. They'll get there. I remember that being hollow, like it's hollow, yeah. and like you can yeah, yeah. easily bend it. Yeah. Which this this ghost popper I have, that thing is solid as a fucking rock. Right. Yeah. That was like a hard plastic. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I just remember that being a soft plastic. So we could, if we made like a vacuum form buck, like vacuum form more of those proton packs that you have. I mean. They're probably going to get there with the, yeah. you know, with all the rest. Well, if stuff, they don't, that's an idea that I'm suggesting that we do. It's it's good to have in in the back pocket. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's very cool. I remember having one as a kid. Um, the Proton Stream, I remember as a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I think I probably lost that immediately or like threw it away. Like I the, just did. The fact that the one that she got me is like full on complete. Yeah. Is remarkable. Yeah. That that's. Who she bought that from? Wow, good for them for keeping all that. Yeah, um, I, oh, man, I went on this rant when we were watching it the other night with my roommate. I wanted so desperately for them to make toy versions of the slime blasters, the slime blower. Yeah, I, and not even like the same real Ghostbuster style or anything, like 
you know, or if they did have something to wear blue, like actual, like fucking, you know, that slime that they would make for the toys and shit like that. Like that would obviously be a mess. Mm-hmm. But if they made that into a super soaker, get the fuck out of town. You just they're printing money at that point. Well, the slime blowers are specifically from this movie, and the toys yeah. are not from the movies. They're from the cartoon. I understand that. But there had to be the demand there. You know? Like, it's, it's, it's all the same shit you're pulling from, you know? Yeah. Like, kids are kids. It's, it's another role play toy. Like, kids are going to fucking want that. Uh, yeah. This kid wanted that. Yeah. I didn't. I'm not a, I'm not a, not a big slime blower guy, but I, I can see why people would want it. As as a water gun, that would I can definitely see it. There is a water gun that kind of looks like the slime blower. That's probably where I got it from. Probably, yeah. That's a good. That's a good little uh, little toy. Oh, <laughs> the part where uh, Yano she's talking to Vigo, <laughs> and Vigo has to say all of his titles, and Yano's yes, being yes. so annoyed. <laughs> Right, 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 yes. Uh-huh. Like, he's, like, at this point, you're like, oh, he's not a, 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 a mindless possessed. Like, or maybe, like, Janos is coming back the way he, you know, to I, normal Janos. To me, that just rings as, like, yeah, you can possess, like, an adoptive New Yorker, but that's yeah. still just some high-key New York shit of just, yeah. like, like, literally, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Excuse me buddy oh man so yeah they go to the gracie mansion talk to the mayor and then i'll tell you what i'll tell you what man nobody nobody on this planet says ghostbusters better than the mayor of new york (laughs) the ghostbusters the ghostbusters (laughs) get me the ghostbusters get him the hell out of here oh god it's just it just comes out of the mouth differently, you know? You know why I think the 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 main flaw of this movie, really, really, is that this movie is beat for beat the same movie as Ghostbusters. Again, that's sequelitis. No one knew how to fucking write sequels back then, man. Well, fucking you know? James Cameron did. <laughs> he was a little busy at the time. Three years earlier, we had aliens. I also do not want to see a James Cameron Ghostbusters. Nobody does. <laughs> no. No, we will. That, that's the whole reason why Sigourney Weaver said yes. She's like, just let me play a damsel in distress for Christ's sake. Um, let me tell you, a James Cameron Ghostbusters would definitely have a mech suit. Like oh, a Ghostbusters yes. mech suit. Yeah, like the trap comes out of the chest or some shit. Oh my God, that'd be great. All right, we're going to write that. James Cameron's Ghostbusters. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna write uh, that after the yeah. Uh, except that needs to take place on Pandora. Our, uh, this is what we're gonna do. So first, we're gonna write write the uh, the teen sex comedy Ghostbusters that we talked about in the last episode. Of course. And then we're gonna write James Cameron's Ghostbusters, which was gonna be a sequel to that Ghostbusters. So we're gonna pull in aliens and um, just just change flip genres. It's gonna be crazy. Right. Um. Yeah. So <laughs> this is what I want to know. Who decided Yano should be a ghost nanny? And what was that conversation like? That was an interesting choice. <laughs> I will I will say that. That was an that was an inspired choice. <laughs> oh, 
What I think we should have done is they've gone full Mrs. Doubtfire and Yana shows up with whipped cream on his face in a bathrobe. <laughs> Hello! Hello! Oh, it would have been great. <laughs> Yanush! Call 911! Oh, man. <laughs> it was a flyby napping. Uh, Pierce Brosnan almost dies because he eats was it paprika or some shit? I don't even know. Um so yeah, okay, so Lewis and Janine. I watched this last night and Lewis being cozied up next to his crush asking, So you wanna play Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? Yeah, like Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, that's ex- yeah, that's that's the fucking move I would pull. <laughs> yeah, I don't man. know. Look, and I'm gonna use the term coined by my dear friend. Uh, Tim Anderson in college. When you cozy up next to a babe deluxe like Janine Melnitz. Yeah, yeah. you're going to say some stupid shit. Yeah. For uh, for those listeners, I'm currently doing the uh, Connor O'Malley um, head shake and in disbelief <laughs> from I think you should leave after he finally... <laughs> Gets uh, the magazine from Tim Robinson after constantly honking his horn because he's horny. Um, um, also, real quick, just to go back to uh, like Kurt Fuller and the mayor uh, and that scene where like, you know, you have, again, a rehash of the scene where you have someone trying to undermine the Ghostbusters in front of the mayor. And yeah. as much as I love Kurt Fuller. That character is no Walter Peck, you know? No, which I read that Walter Peck was originally going to, they were going to get Atherton back. Really? Yeah. Would have been interesting, but it would have been one of those things where it's like, does it make sense for this character to be in this situation as well? You know what I mean? No, no. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like, I get why they had Kurt Fuller be just kind of like that same function in it as a different character. But again, just trap sequel traps, you know? It's yeah. It's weird. I mean, like I said, like, yeah, it's the same like You got a bureaucrat who fucking hates the Ghostbusters for some reason. Mm-hmm. What? The the guy who plays the fucking mayor, I forget his name every time. David Margulies, I believe? Yes. David yeah. Margulies. So good. This movie has the most random cast ever. Well, okay. Because I'm, at one I'm point, getting, Philip Baker... I'm yeah. getting... Oh, God. You want to talk about fucking character actor Roe? It's weird. Phil Baker- Fuller, Phil Baker Hall, and Ben Stein in the same fucking room, in the same goddamn scene. Philip Baker Hall has one line in this movie. At this yeah. point, he played Nixon by himself in a Robert Altman film, and you got him saying one fucking line in Ghostbusters? I mean, same thing with Cheech Marin. Cheech has one line. No, he has one line and then a look. And like then, his- yes, then, then he has a look, which you can get in the same shot, but he has, but he has one line, is what my point <laughs> And it's a gold, it's golden, it's a gold line. Well, apparently, I, I think it's in the trailer for this, but Vinkman says better late than never in the original cut. Yeah, because you don't want to spoil that in the trailer. Yeah. You don't want to give away Cheech's big moment. That is um, good, though. That is, that is, that is, that is some, um, fuck. Why am I forgetting his name right now? He, uh, he, god damn it. Give me some hints. Context clues. John Landis. That is some John Landis shit to have cameos like that. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'm also going to say this because so, you know, Kurt Fuller eventually gets uh, the, the guys committed. Uh, we got obviously Bill Murray and Ghostbusters 1. 
mm-hmm. Brian Doyle Murray in Ghostbusters 2. I have a lot of uh, caveats for Ghostbusters Afterlife, but if Joel Murray is not in Ghostbusters Afterlife, fuck that movie. <laughs> yeah. We've established a pattern, and we must see it through. <laughs> if Freddie fucking Rumson isn't in goddamn Afterlife. If uh, whatever number of movie that is, that's how many Murrays should be in that movie. Yes. So one Murray, two Murrays, three Murrays, four. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, after that whole thing, we have a montage of flip city as we're going to call it the flip city montage. Flip city. Um, the first shot we see is a marquee and I looked at, I saw that and I was like, cannibal girls. That sounds familiar. Looked it up. Ivan Reitman's movie. He made before meatballs. Yeah. And you get the Eugene Levy, Andrea Martin shout out. Yeah. I like that as well. It's very fun. Um, also all again, kind of, Started to drag us back before the montage. Uh, Lewis's behind the scenes uh, uh, wrap up of Citizen Kane. Uh, j- thanks, Tully. I don't have to watch Mank now. I'll say I'll, I'll, you saved me three hours. <laughs> and then between all the baby carriage shit and the museum steps, it's shocking that Reitman didn't try and pull off a uh, battleship Potem- Potemkin slash the untouchable shot. Could you imagine um, if that shot just showed up in this fucking movie? I would love it if Winston was holding his uh, Neutrona wand pointed at Janusz and uh, Vaitman's holding the carriage on the ground and, they, and then Vaitman just goes, take him. And then fucking gets Neutrona wand. Oh, it'd be great. <laughs> but yeah, the the montage fucking <laughs> A1 <laughs> shit. Ray, Ray, uh... Ray's like Malone, uh, dying on the floor, yelling, uh, <laughs> are you prepared? You just want to do a, an Untouchables Ghostbusters matchup I ca- now? I kind of do. Uh, <laughs> what is that? What does Malone say to, uh, uh, Ness when he's dying? I forget that line is. It's I like, can't remember. It's it, very iconic. I'm just trying to think who would be doing the Sean Connery line. Oh, it'd be fucking Ray. You'd have to be. <laughs> They send one of yours to the hospital. You send one of theirs to the morgue. <laughs> Except then they're going to come back as a ghost. Um, Egon would, of course, be the uh, would be the guy played by. Um, what should we call it? Charles Martin Smith, who mm. uh, that would, of course, be Egon. What is that fucking line? It's going to bother me. Anyway, how's it going, everybody? You still listening to the podcast? Oh uh, man. Anyway. Anyway, I'm I'm running I'm running low on um on notes here. I got Cheech. Shopping I got one. Philip Baker Hall. Um how does Cheech in all caps? How yeah, I got a Cheech in all caps. How does the Ectomobile not tip over? I saw that shit pulling up and I'm like, there's no way that thing ain't they, top heavy. They really added a lot of bullshit to that to that <laughs> car. It's it's gratuitous. Just it's like got a, it's got a fucking direct TV on top of it. It's got it's got a fucking LED sign. No, it's, it's not, it doesn't have direct TV. It's got Premiere TV. Remember Premiere TV? It's the biggest fucking satellite in existence. Um, I hate Jello. There's always room for Jello. Jello. Uh, the part that cracks me up is that they try to recreate they, without crossing the streams. What if they had crossed the streams? Uh, that's uh, an instance where I think crossing the streams would have been bad. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of people around. Yes. Um, 
so they're shooting the they're shooting the proton streams at the, the slime, mm-hmm. and then Ray's like, "Save them, save them." And I'm just like, they have a half life of five thousand years. years. What are you saving anyway? <laughs> um, she's French, you know that. I don't think they make Nikes in her size, Ray. Oh my god! We, uh, so what do you? How do you feel about the whole Statue of Liberty thing? It is. It's hokey as fuck, but like, yeah, it's yeah. Of course, it's a rehash of of Stay Puffed. Not as good as Stay Puffed, definitely, but it's fun. It's very fun. I don't think this movie needed this for for the. It needed it like it as a plot device. Like it needed to do two things. It needed to inspire the people in New York, and it needed to like get them into the museum, like from the top or whatever. And I feel like as a New Yorker on New Year's Eve, if I saw the, st- the Statue of Liberty walking down Broadway, I'd be like, yo, let's fucking go. Let's do this. I wrote this down, but uh, I wrote down uh, the city of Newark, New York, Newark, New Jersey. New York <laughs> is the sixth Ghostbuster because. <laughs> well, yes, because we get Lewis. Lewis is number five. So Lewis is number five, which has to be kind of awkward. For Janine's new bow in her old man's uniform. Like, yes, that's one that would probably fit him the most, but also eh, that there's she's she is sending a message by doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that um Yeah. That whole also, uh get a cab, man. You don't need to take the bus. What uh she yeah, she's French, you know that. It's slime time. Is that a quote from the movie or is that is something I wrote? Yeah, I think they, you probably wrote it, but I think they say it as well. They're also trying to think of, I love the names that they're trying to think of in the mayor's office, like uh, Times Square, Slime, Slime Square, Slime Square, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, the the NES gamepad, yep. which as a kid, I had mm-hmm. one of those, so of course I pretended like I was driving the, I would watch that movie with 100%. that in my lap, pretending 100%. I was driving the Statue of Liberty, because I'm a stupid child. You're an imaginative um, child. It's very true. I mean, fucking first movie, every time the queen of the town, I would go dress up as a Ghostbuster. Yeah. All right, so the Chiefs theme would better let than never with the Titanic, and then when the Statue of Liberty's walking back, it's such a good editing bit that they use the exact same shot again. Mm-hmm. That is so fucking funny. Yeah. Best joke of the movie. It's a good bit, and it's economical. They only had seven more million dollars to make this movie. They had to get creative economically. Yeah. Yeah, at this point I wrote the special effects are much better. And then so much better. ILM, the of course. Scolari Brothers look fucking great. Scolari Brothers, I don't know. They kind of took me out for a bit because Ooh, they look too cartoonish. I like the Scolari Brothers. Yeah. But it's just too much like a cartoon. Like I, I, I like the design of the ghosts in the first movie a lot more. I think that's, that's another grab I have with this one. Um, Maybe it looks too clean. Yeah, I, I love the rough edges of the first one. All right. Yeah, stay fit, keep sharp, make good decisions. Such a good line of Lewis's yeah. <laughs> running the jump on the bus. And of course, I hope you have your license. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing a hat. Uh, <laughs> who did he get that hat from? Some slob was just trying to drive a bus. Hey, Bimbo, with the baby. 
Oh, uh, <laughs> my next note is Vinkman saying I'm fine while not being able to move physically is my forever mood. <laughs> Truly, the older I get and the more mysterious aches and pains that I have, I have to agree. Yeah. I will wince and grimace all night long on the couch. <laughs> And Charlie will ask, are you okay? What's the matter? And I will say, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the other night I was talking to a fr- talking to a friend on the phone and I was just like, uh, it's like, yeah, I have a headache. This is, which is business as usual these days. <laughs> oh man, it's bad. Oh, existence hurts. Um, what's my next note? New York is the sixth Ghostbuster because they start singing and Vigo starts yeah. being defeated. Yeah. Look, look, you know, like, yes, uh, uh, being an asshole and treating other people like dirt is every uh, every New Yorker's God given right, which is an excellent platform to run on. Uh, (laughs) Another great line was also, and I can say with confidence that almost 50 percent of us voted for you in the last election. Uh, That's an incredibly funny fucking line. Yeah, because there's only four of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, but yeah, you know, like. The sixth Ghostbuster, man, you're right about that. That's some good shit. It's like you know, the, you know, all these movies were like New York is the third main character. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, New York is the tenth character in this in this movie. <laughs> Let's run them down. Number one, Vinkman. Number two, Dana. Number three, Ray. Number four, Egon. Number five, Winston. Winston. Oh, actually, Winston be number seven. Number five is Rick Moranis. Yeah, number six. So, yeah, number eight. That's, uh, excuse me, number nine for Yanish. So, nine. I so, feel like th- New York was ninth on the call sheet? Yes, it was. Um, Actually, number two for the crowd scenes, because Rick Moranis is number one, the number two was uh, the city of New York. Now, I want to talk about this. So, Lewis, outside of the museum, I... When I watch movies, I kind of get fixated on certain extras if they're yes. doing too much. Yeah. Um, there's a guy in a tuxedo, pencil thin mustache, and a trench coat. He looks a lot like Terry O'Quinn um, as Howard Hughes in The Rocketeer. That's what this guy looks like to me. <laughs> so I'm watching his guy the whole time, like crowd mm-hmm. scenes. And then when they finally defeat Vigo in the slime crust that is over the museum evaporates into Uh the sky this guy rushes over to lewis and yells that was great how did you do that i loved it (laughs) (laughs) so i gotta tell you that's the first time i really even noticed all of that because my eye goes to the extra that's the girl to his right on screen with like the very fucking uh uh woody allen ass hat yeah. Uh, Annie Hall hat. And she wearing like a mink coat or something? Something like that, yeah. But mostly yeah. it's the hat that always just drew my eye. Yeah, I always wa- I used to always watch her, but now that I've seen this guy, yep. I'm always going to watch oh, him yeah. now. I saw him on this viewing, and I will never not watch him <laughs> and what he says to Lewis after, after he defeats the building. That was great. How did you do that? Dude. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Extras being extra. Oh, they're so good. Oh, man. Uh, he got a line in. Like, how does he not get, like, um, bump pay? Yeah. And then we look in the credits, and it was like, um, trench coat man, Terry O'Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Janusz, oh, yeah. My next note is, Janusz would definitely guest on Egon and Ray's podcast. <laughs> 
Boy, I would listen to the hell out of that podcast. Another so Egon and Ray, uh, in the dark room developing the pictures. Oh yeah. Um, that was another I, thing that added later on for the scare oh, right. factor because that was again that was another very scary uh scene for me mm-hmm. but it's also like very out of place and very deus ex machina the way winston immediately comes in yeah um but i would want and yano should still be a great guest on this egon and ray's podcast to be a food podcast oh yeah that'd be good that would be very good thai no too spicy too spicy pizza deep dish then chicago Thanks, Ackroyd, to lay that on so fucking thick. I feel like Ray is from Illinois. Yeah. Like, because, you know, Camp Wakanda, that's obviously in Illinois. Oh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Ray is from Illinois. Yeah. But, like, he definitely did that thing where it's just like, oh, yeah, here's where I let you know where I'm from. Yeah, Chicago. suburbs of Chicago. It's like Julius Pepperwood fucking from New Girl. Thin crust pizza? No, thank you. From Chicago. Um, I'm going to ask you, so like they've defeated it thanks to New York and all uh, that stuff. Uh, we've wa- everybody, we've watched the movie. It's positively charged. He's going to wake up feeling like a million bucks. Oh man. I love you. Yeah. That, that's the yeah. part. That's the interaction that made me think like, are Ray and Yana going to get an apartment together after this? <laughs> oh man. It's just two, two great buds living together. That's a sitcom. That's a Ray and Yanish. You kidding me? Those two accents together? Anyway. It's called Perfect Strangers, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Can we get Dan Aykroyd and Peter McNichol to just... We just need to do uh, Greatest Event in Television History and just re- do a shot-for-shot shot remake of the opening credits for Perfect Strangers with Dan Aykroyd and Peter McNichol. <laughs> That's what we need to do. So we need to do. I'm going to ask you this question, because yeah. I have a theory. How do you think they got the Statue of Liberty back? helicopters that's exactly what i think they did exactly like how they did at the end of the spider-man ride at islands of adventure that is yes when you quickly see them put the the statue of liberty back i think that's how they did it in ghostbusters 2 i thought you were gonna ask me how the painting changed uh to the mural of all of them and oscar one of the fettuccines oh man that painting is great it's great. I'm probably gonna get that tattoo one day. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna hang that in my future child's bedroom. Absolutely. <laughs> what I'm gonna do is put the Vigo painting in there, and then one day it's gonna magically turn into the Ghostbusters one. Ah <laughs> uh, man, and we're at the end credits now, and it's set to on our own again. Yep. And the best credit I love is and Slimer. And Slimer. <laughs> yeah. A lot of influence from the cartoon, for sure, in this movie. Which is probably another reason why I like it so much, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote down, this soundtrack is very 1989. It may be the most 1989 soundtrack there is. And then, of course, I think I thought about this after I wrote that statement and thought about, nope, the soundtrack is probably the most 1989 is, of course, the Batman soundtrack. Yes. I... Man, imagine if there was a song called Ghost Dance. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so the Bat Dance video famously has half of uh, Prince, uh, half of his uh, mm-hmm. like one half of him is the Joker, the other half yep. I think is represents Batman. 
Yeah. So one side, Ghostbuster. Other side, Slimer. Slimer. Yeah, thousand percent. <laughs> Could you imagine if Party Man was in this movie? Fuck out of here. Just give me a, a scene of like Janosch being possessed, like dancing all around the museum, painting shit like, like fucking Vigo. A parade scene at the end of the movie with Vigo trying to win over the crowd. Who money, money, money? Who loves you? Oh my god. <laughs> Just Max Vancito. Who loves ya? Trust. Who do ya? Oh my god. <laughs> I want that movie. Which I'm gonna bring this up. You've seen Detective Pikachu, right? Yeah. So the end of that movie is just the ending of Batman. I don't yes. think I've, I've I don't think I've said this on a podcast. No, yet. yeah, we haven't talked about this. We haven't said this on a podcast. But I remember watching the movie, going like, "It's fucking, it's this fucking is ba- Batman. This is Batman." <laughs> it's like, um, that's like the end of Inglorious Bastards. That's Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, they do lock up the Gremlins in a fucking movie theater and try to burn them all. <laughs> burn them all up. Yeah. Uh, Nazis are Gremlins, everybody. Yeah. And that's why that's why Quentin Tarantino said that was his masterpiece. Yeah. Because it's the closest thing he could do to making a movie called Gremlins. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's Gremlins 3. I mean, I'd fuck with that. What if that's his 10th movie? He retires on making the... He finally makes the third Gremlins. <laughs> All the Star Trek talk was just like a fucking... Just like distraction. It's like yeah. what I really wanted to do. Just round out the Gremlins trilogy. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great. Oh, man. Yeah, that's all I have on this movie. That's all I got. I love it. I love it so much. It's, at the, if anything, you have to agree with me. It's the funniest Ghostbusters movie. No. Fuck, <laughs> Peter McNichol alone does more work getting you to bust a gut in this movie. Than Peter McNichol is definitely the MVP of this movie. But, like, I don't know. There's, there's so many good lines in the first movie. I mean... I wouldn't record a three-hour podcast about this movie, Where but it's at? over two hours. Shit. All right, I thought we were longer. <laughs> nope, I'm not splitting this into two. This is going to be one episode, everybody. I'm sorry. Oh, man. So, yeah. That was Ghostbusters 2, everybody. I hope you enjoyed watching it. I did. I'm probably going to watch it right after we finish recording. I'm not. I'm going to do something else. Yeah, I'm probably going to play Red Dead Redemption. Um... This is definitely the one that I've watched the most, but it's not, I don't know. I like the first one a lot more, yeah. For whatever reason, I just, just the enjoyment factor for me is like, so I can just quote this the most. I can, fuck, I don't know. I just fuck with this movie the most. It's, I just love it. I love it so much, so damn much, so goddamn much. Yeah, I definitely don't quote this one. I mean, it does have some good quotes, but I definitely don't quote it as much. I feel like the first half of this movie is very good, but then like you just get it. It's just too much familiar territory for me. That's my two cents. Poor man. She named you after a hot dog. <laughs> she named you after a hot dog. You poor man. man. You poor poor man. Which man, I would. He's got my nose in here. <sighs> I would have loved it if Oscar was wearing an Oscar Oscar the Grouch outfit instead of a Winnie the Pooh outfit. Yeah. Anyway, right. um, what do you how do you rate this movie, Nick? I'm gonna go on the on the Proton stream. Um, 
Yeah, I'm gonna go three proton streams. Out of it was what out of four, right? Yeah, there's four, and then we added five, which is when that's when they're all together. That's when they're all together. Well, five would be Lewis in this movie, technically. Yeah. Um, I gotta go, man. What did I rate Ghostbusters? You uh, you crossed the streams on that one, so that's equivalent to a five out of five. I gotta go five out of five again, man. Yeah. Like, the first Ghostbusters movie is is incredible. It's it's it ages incredibly well. Like, it's still watchable to this day. It looks watchable to this day. Content wise, it's watchable to this day. And ditto at all for Ghostbusters two. Yeah. 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 I just I just there's certain like. We get it. You hate the movie. It's fine. I don't hate it. It's just you think this movie shouldn't exist and whatever. Rank the movies. (laughs) Number one with a bullet, Ghostbusters. Number two, Ghostbusters. Fast and Furious as well in here. Uh, Oh, shit. You go. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Number one with Uh, a bullet, (laughs) Ghostbusters. Number two, Furious 7. Number (laughs) Yeah, you're still right. (laughs) Uh. Uh, Can we? Oh, shit, man. (laughs) I need the 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 scene from Furious Seven, uh, as Dom and Brian are driving at the end, but it's it's Egon and Brian's car. Oh no! Yeah, I know exactly. I'm doing it, and then the rest of the guys in the Ecto One. <laughs> but it's that would Egon be Egon in the skyline. That would be very sad. I need to follow. I need a uh, uh, film writer Priscilla Page tweeted this. And it made me laugh my ass off. But she's been writing about the Ghostbusters, not Ghostbusters, the Fast films. <laughs> and she tweeted a screenshot from the first movie of Ted Levine saying, he's got nitrous oxide in his blood and a gas tank for a brain. And she just tweeted poetry. Because <laughs> it is. It is. Could you imagine it, uh, what what Fast characters what, from the Fast Saga would you bring into Ghostbusters? Number one for me, definitely uh, Shay Wiggum. Oh, Shea Wiggum, yeah. <laughs> Shea Wiggum, Tedge. Could you imagine Shea Wiggum as a Walter Peck type? Thousand percent. That's what every character he plays anyway. No, not really. Absolutely. Shea Wiggum is the modern day William Atherton. No, he's not. He's he's the, uh, HBO is like, oh, we need a drunk um, Southern guy. Got mm-hmm. it. Shea Wiggum. Let's yeah. bring him in. Um, oh boy, I gotta pee way too bad to really put good thought into this. Let's put Walton Goggins to a Ghostbusters movie, that's all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, alright, so, next episode, we're gonna be talking about, let's go to the podcast page! Next time, we're talking about, chronologically, the video game. Oh, alright, yeah. Forgot about that, we're doing Ghostbusters the video game, aka Ghostbusters 3. Yep. Which is weird. Walter Peck's back. Oh my god. They try to recapture the magic, but in video game form. Uh, it's gonna be fun. Anyway. Um I've been Nick Lathan. Do we even introduce ourselves at the beginning of this episode? I don't think yes, we did. We did? Yes, we, we did? did. yes, we did. We need to make we'll go back and insert it. Anyway, um just like putting our penis into slime. Sorry, we're going off the rails, everybody. Alright, so find me on social media at Nick Lathan. I'm on Letterboxd. Find me on there where watch movies and all that stuff. 
And then Rip, what about you, baby? Uh, find me Average Cami on Twitter and Instagram, and then at the Whack Pack Live on Instagram uh, for my daily trading card show, where Rip rips open another pack of trading cards every single day. And at every hundred dollars that we raise for great causes and organizations, I will chew the old gum found in the old packs of cards. Uh, a lot of fun. Come and join. All right. Well, this has been Ready to Believe You Ghostbusters podcast, and gotta say, Rip. Why don't you take us out with a quote? Well, until then, this is Nick and Rip saying, See you then. (laughs) Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.